0: Thank you.
1: Monsters and metal
2: I've been waiting two months. It has to do been that. you know
3: what, you know what, here's here's the thing. And I explained it when we did when I did the the April episode. Right. And it was basically, you know, just March March is time consuming with there's a lot of family issues and stuff and, and then DanCon on top of that. So with all of that thrown in, I mean it it just happens that we didn't get an episode out then, but luckily, Rachel and I threw together the March Middle Madness tournament, and we got to at least showcase the Sweet 16.
2: Yeah, that was cool. That was a really cool thing. And uh, two of my favorite people, you know, if I can't be on, at least Rachel's on, which is perfectly acceptable. Probably a better alternative. Uh, well, I don't know. There would be a better alternative than, than Rachel. So That worked out pretty well. So
3: next year for, for March Middle Madness, it's going to be... Basically, uh, I'll have my sixteen. Dirk will have his sixteen. Rachel will have wait, hers. Wait wait,
2: wait, 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 wait! What was that?
3: You'll have You're, your sixteen.
2: I know, but you you, you had a little trepidation there. <laughs> I'm gonna have sixteen spoilers in there, and you know it. That's why. That's all right.
3: That's right. all right. But well, one thing we did, I did learn with with doing the tournament was that um, if a band is awesome enough to share it, their fans show up to vote, and a legion <laughs> made it to the top two. Just because yes. of that.
2: That's right. So who are we looking at next year then? It'll be...
3: It'll be... I'll have a bracket. You'll have a bracket. Right. Uh, uh, Rachel and probably Ob or uh, Ted Shuckle.
2: So oh, God. Fun. Ob's would be... Re- oh, man. Yeah, either one would be great. Yeah.
3: So something to look forward to. Because, you know, Iron Maiden won this year and as much awesome... You know, as great as that is and as well-deserved as that is, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of more fun to have... I hate to say, like, smaller bands, but they're the ones who are excited to be a part of it. I can't reach out and say, hey, Dickinson, you want to share this?
2: Right. Come
3: on, Bruce! Well, there, so there it is. Yeah, so
2: there we, we're flashing forward a year, but, uh, or approximately. Oh, but
3: yeah, no, that was that was great, and I hope anybody who's listening to the show, based up because they learned about the show, because they voted or, or whatnot with the site, um, definitely thank you for, for tuning in and, and checking it out. And also, um, the other thing I want to talk about real quick is our new fan episode that will air every 15th of the month. Yes. And basically the way this works is throughout the month, you go to monsters and you vote on whatever poll we have. So the polls are uh, a movie of your choice that you want Rondell and I to review uh, a list of 12 comic books that came out and you pick the top six that you want reviewed on the show, and then the last one it will be a top ten countdown of of music. So basically, whichever gets the most votes out of out of that, we do a countdown based on that.
2: That's going to be really cool, man, and a way to give back to two of the best genre fans of all time: the horror fans and the metal fans. Oh, exactly, exactly. And for and for people that I guess we should probably because we probably have new people listening. Uh, introduce ourselves properly
3: oh yeah i am decapitated dan
2: and i am dirk manning so welcome back
3: everyone (laughs) new and old and everyone in between exactly exactly so no i mean there's there's all that that great stuff to uh, definitely look forward to uh coming up so uh speaking of coming up uh any concerts on your on your schedule for this year yet
4: Mm. Been,
3: I know you're busy with all your with all your traffic.
2: I've got yeah, like I've got a show every a comic convention every weekend in May. Uh but I will say that Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds are touring and they're on my bucket list and I really would like to go see them. I, their new album Push the Sky Away uh well not metal in the metal sense the the most traditional sense of the word. It's just really cool, man. So I'm really interested in seeing them and as of this recording I'm hearing rumors that ACDC will not be touring. Um, I was really looking forward to finally seeing them in concert. So hopefully by the time this airs, we'll get a definitive word on that. But if ACDC is touring, you will see me at ACDC.
3: Yeah, I, I heard that they, they made the deal with themselves that if one of them gets sick or something happens to one of them, they're done. Just completely done.
2: Which is, you know, right on. You know, I mean, cool. If you ain't getting the I've, actual product,
3: uh, they're, they're not going to be out there.
2: You know, but it, it's tough because, you know, um, last last fall, I went and saw Goblin, mm-hmm. which wasn't all of the original members, but it was a couple. And it was just really cool to go see Goblin, you know, get to got to see Goblin in the United States. You know, like, how awesome is that? You know, when Secret Chiefs three, who's like the Mr. Bungle kind of sideband opened up and it was amazing. So but and not that Goblin's not iconic, but right. But I mean, when you have like ACDC and I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, right on. I'm giving, I'm, I'm floating the goat right now on that decision. I, I get it and I'm going to stop talking cause I don't want to offend anyone <laughs> Goblin. So, but right on to ACDC. I just hope that they're all doing well and whatever, you know, I got their, Oh yeah, they got my moral support no matter what.
3: Good. Good. What about
2: you? Any concerts coming up for you?
3: Uh, let's see. Um. If anybody heard the last episode of Monsters of Metal, it was uh, after I went to see The Absence and From the Embrace and Infernion. Mm-hmm. That was a great show. Um, trying to think what I got coming up. Uh, probably gonna end up going to see Power Man Five Thousand. Love me some Power Man Five Thousand. I know, it's I know not, you're big on I know those it's, guys. I know it's not metal, but I but I've always liked. Well, you, you know I like they're the more old metal stuff. than Big Cave. <laughs> I like the old stuff. I like that the funky stuff, but I, I know they're not going to play any of that.
2: Really? That's well, how, what have it. they... Now, I'm a little behind the times on them. What have they evolved into that they're not that anymore?
3: Oh, well, do you remember when Tonight the Stars Revolved came out? Yes. They've kept that going. Oh. Instead of doing the, the really sweet bass and the in the rap lyrics, you know, mm. they they went more into that direction.
2: Which, for people that don't know, is... More uh, oh, hard rock. Yeah, I mean it, it's rocking. I mean it's not like they became a jazz band or something, but it's
3: right. No, it's, they, I would say they were. A jazz. I would say they were a jazz band. <laughs> oh, kind of. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, what else is coming up that that I'm going to see? Oh, Dog Fashion Disco just said they're going on tour again.
2: I know you'll be there. So
3: I will definitely be there. That'll probably be my fifth or sixth time seeing them. Uh oh. I'm probably, because it's going to be real close, I'm probably going to the Devil Driver Whitechapel show.
2: I I have been crushing on Whitechapel more and more lately. I just, I don't know what took me so long, and I've always kind of heard them and liked them well enough, but I've really been getting into them lately. In fact, you know what? I've been I got to put a little plug in there for this book I've been reading, and I think that uh, anyone listening to this show should check out this book. It's called Louder Than Hell: An Oral History of Heavy Metal. And is
3: that the book by um, the guy who does Bloody Roots?
2: I think so. Ian, Ian Christie?
3: No, what's his name? I can't. I can never. This is like the twentieth time we've talked about him here on the show.
2: Yeah, and I, I can remember um, his name. It's uh, you know, it's John Weederhorn. Okay. And Catherine Turnman, they did another book as well, uh, and I don't—I would be lying if I said I remembered which one it was. But this book is 736 pages.
3: You got a train going by you, watch out!
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm—you know—that's—that's that's how I roll. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when when you when you call me the day before and say, "Hey, you want to record tomorrow?" Sometimes I'm by a train. It just depends. <laughs> you, know, you give me 24 hours notice. That reminds
3: luck. me of when we recorded on discussions with you live at San Diego. Oh, and you were you were crossing the street, but you had to wait for a train. <laughs> right? Yeah, I,
2: I very. I'm um, in San Diego right now. You there's call.
3: something to, to go back and find, kids.
2: Right, exactly. You never know where, you know, when when you call and just say, Let's record tomorrow I'm like, okay. You <laughs> know, but I'm gonna be by a train tomorrow. Okay, fine. Um but uh it's loud too. Um but no, it's his book. It's the definitive oral history of metal. And you know, I, I really enjoyed my years doing music journalism and stuff like that and doing interviews with a lot of these bands when they were up and coming. Uh, what this book is, is it goes through every era of metal. And sometimes the years overlap, but they'll do like thrash metal. Then they'll do, you know, this and this and, you know, uh, early metal, the new metal and, you know, modern metal, Uh, death metal. Uh, And what it is, is the the authors will do a little brief introduction, like a paragraph, like the thrash metal scene really started in this era at this time, blah, 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 blah. And then all it is, is usually about a paragraph each top. Blocks of quotes from all the people that were there at the time, either modern, you know, them talking now or excerpts from old interviews talking about the evolution of that scene and everything that was happening. And I mean they got stuff, you know. I mean, you go from like, Black Sabbath, Metallica, Slayer, Maiden Priest, all the way up to the modern stuff. Tools, System of a Down. They do a whole chapter on new metal, uh any like the 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 Norwegian death metal scene has this ridiculous chapter about how hardcore I mean, just it's fascinating. It is absolutely a fascinating book. It's a big book. I mean it's over seven hundred pages, so you're really getting your money's worth out of it. Uh, you can get it on Amazon for, you know, 20 bucks, you know, oh. get it used even cheaper. Uh, really well, well, well worth the money for people that are looking for some spring and summer reading. Uh, and it's a book that what you can do is you can pick it up, read five pages, read 10 pages, read two pages, put it down and just, you know, it's a it's a perfect bathroom book even, I dare say, you know, just pick it up and just read it at your leisure, Uh very cool stuff, man. Very. What was
3: that really, really good heavy metal documentary? Met... VH1 Classic.
2: By... Oh, uh, Metal Evolution.
3: Is that what it was?
2: Twelve Parter or whatever?
3: Yes. Oh, that That's was... That's a great
2: analogy. Yeah, this is like that. But it's actually all the people... in the whole book is just the people that were there talking about it. Yeah. And, oh, it's just fascinating i mean it just it's just great the only chapter that i really couldn't get into very much was the metalcore chapter because i'm not that that that's the one metal scene that really i just just missed the boat on i just wasn't into it so that was kind of like a little uh, you know i didn't know as much about those bands so like okay i sevenfold and stuff like that you know uh, okay but i mean still even the stuff that i didn't know a lot about or like the death metal chapter uh, the other bums I had the death metal, the black metal chapter, fascinating, just just amazing. Nice. Yeah, so louder than hell, the definitive oral history of heavy metal, of uh, metal, well worth checking out.
3: All right, well let's let's talk comics for a second here. Yes. Which will kind of transition into our our mini topic before we get to the to the meat of the show. Yes. Um, there is a new book in previews that I am against at not like against like i'll say what not like i'm gonna burn everybody if they read it or not but it's something that i don't like when when it's done and it's like when a tv show or movie is continued in a comic you know you know and so i i just want to go on record saying that i think big trouble little china is a horrible idea for a comic book
2: you haven't even read
3: it yet i don't but that—that's my point. I don't want to read it because the movie, to me, is this perfect standalone masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to know what someone thinks would happen next.
2: Well, you know, that John John, is John Carpenter. John Carpenter is actually involved with it.
3: Yeah, it's like telling me you're going to make a sequel thirty years later, you know? Uh,
2: you know, but if he's had ideas for it, you know, I mean, I, I look at it this way. John Carpenter is directly involved with it. Eric Powell, who's one of my all-time favorite creators of all time, directly involved with it. If not them, who? <laughs> you know, so I... I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, and again, this is just this is just me. I You know, I mean, you and I are friends, but... <laughs> not I, anymore. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> Ooh, ah, ah. no I, I, I really have learned... Of, I will not judge something until it's out. I'm not going to be that guy. And, and knowing that Carpenter's, and, and this isn't, now I, I would understand if this is a thing where someone picked up the license and was running with it. Right. Mm, but that's not, I mean, Carpenter's directly involved. You got Eric Powell involved who, you know, getting basically, in my eyes, do very little harm. You know, oh, so. No. We'll see. Oh. This will be interesting to talk about because when does the first issue drop?
3: Uh June. So it comes out So we got time. I'm predicting month. I'm predicting
2: though. Well, you know, let's depending when we record, whether it be for a June episode or July episode, yeah, we'll we can see. read it. We'll see. And we can talk about it because I love Powell. I'm gonna put up my cheap plug. Eric Powell did the cover to Tales of Mystery Volume Two. He's my boy. Love Eric Powell, oh. love the goon, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right. More foreshadowing.
3: Alright, well that transitions into our news segments. Which will lead into yes. our topic, which will lead into the rest of the show. So, what do you got?
2: You know, uh, I was—I've uh, been kind of following this story with a certain amount of uh, morbid curiosity. No pun intended. Uh, they're looking to do another Friday the Thirteenth reboot, sequel, something, and the word they keep using is reboot. Uh, and and apparently, as of this recording, it sounds like David Bruckner, who uh, he did—he uh, did a short in. Um, uh, VHS for example uh, the, you know amateur night uh, it, they're talking about him doing the latest Friday the 13th reboot which may or may not be a found footage Friday the 13th movie nah. <sighs>
3: yeah.
2: what did you think did you ever see the remake the, the yeah the... oh
3: of course I'm a Jason
2: i, I the, the Jason's my guy too so what did you think of the remake
3: I didn't hate it you know, it wasn't like I was mm-hmm. watching Rob Zombie's Halloween. Right. But it wasn't it was what it was. I mean, how you how can you judge honestly? How can you judge a Jason movie when you know how bad all the other ones were? Right. Well, <laughs> so, hey, hey. speak
2: ill speak not ill of Freddy the 13th part 7, good saw. Uh
3: my favorite's always Jason Goes to Hell. That wow. was my first that was my first one after that I actually watched after the original oh so my favorite is always gonna be Jason goes to hell
2: Ooh.
3: oh come on the opening scene he they're doing it in the tent and he busts through and cuts him in half with the sign Ugh! Oh, that's awesome the only ones that were tough for me I believe were like four and in five. Well
2: the the yeah, the 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 pre zombie Tommy Jarvis ones, kind Mm. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five, those five especially. Well, but this kind of leads to something we were talking about beforehand, you know. I mean and again, I'm not gonna judge what the new Friday thirteenth is until it comes out. But you actually kind of brought up this this topic which is interesting, which is there's a you know uh, horror fans often talk about how oh they're remaking this horror movie and oh they're remaking it you know and, and there has been some stinker remakes out there which we don't need to talk about because I would much rather spend our time discussing the positive. But
3: you talk about stinker remakes, look at all the ones that are scheduled to come out. Well, good.
2: Here's the here's the question: What horror movie deserves or? Could or well, say you know should have a modern remake. Critters, ooh, hands down. And what's your justification? What's your rationale behind that?
3: Greatest horror movie franchise of all time.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, well, as he drops the mic, well, what do you think a modern interpretation could offer? Well,
3: here's the problem, though. Here's the problem: is they we, like, all roll into
2: a giant ball.
3: Uh... How dare you? I will show you my shirt any day of the week. <laughs> anyway, um, and Critters 2 is by far the the best of the, okay. the bunch. Anyway, no. Okay, first of all, it's a movie about aliens, so it's the only franchise that made sense to take it into space. <laughs> Alright. Right. With number four. No, um, you could completely destroy it, though, if you went CGI over the little puppets. You have to have the little puppet. All right. Have all right. To.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Have to.
3: So, so that's my first first choice. Yeah. A re. Yeah. I, I go. I'll go reboot. I'm still trying to think of a number two because when I think of like all the classics that that I really love, I would never want to see them touched.
2: Such as.
3: Oh, like, dead alive. Uh, Bate. Oh taste. I, I'll,
2: yeah, the I mean, that stuff was so idiosyncratic. I
3: love the early Peter Jackson stuff. Yeah.
2: Um, oh, I love that stuff. Well, let me throw this one at you. Where I mean, I didn't fun?
3: even like. I don't even want to see. Uh, it's too late now. I mean, I didn't want to see. And I'm not a big Freddy fan just to begin with. But I wouldn't. I don't want to see Freddy touched. I don't want to see Jason touched to where you're redoing the first one to where the, the mom's the killer again or something like that. Or mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Halloween stuff uh, should have never been touched.
2: The director's cut of the first one, which is not the one that released in the theater, was not as bad. That's all I'm going to say. Of which one? Halloween. Halloween. Oh,
3: okay. Hall- I didn't. So, I didn't like totally hate the first one, but I totally, totally, one hundred percent burned the second one that he did.
2: Yeah, I, n- I never even didn't. I never even went there. Um, now, well, well, let's go really old school classic because I was thinking about this because you know you posed this question. And there's been talk about this every so often. And Guillermo del Toro, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Sold. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Creature from the Black Lagoon. I was
3: sold when you said Del Toro.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Creature from the Black Lagoon is such a perfect monster movie. And I don't use that word lightly. But that movie is perfect but if you get someone like guillermo to redo that film i think you could have a winner winner chicken dinner and and again do we need i mean i i i still i don't know if we need a new creature film because the original is so good so good but i mean a cool underwater horror movie like that could really be pretty awesome with modern tech, with the with the technology and the the, the things we have at our disposal, which some people te- now though uh, underwater
3: it was- selling, uh, I think at the moment, just at the moment, like in the eighties, in the mm-hmm. in, like late eighties, early nineties, underwater was the way to go. This was a hit, so they made, made mm-hmm. then Deep Babiathen. Six and yeah, stuff like that. That 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 worked then tentacles, but now it's like. Space isn't even that that big of a deal at the moment,
2: but it could be it could be real interest. I mean, in, in the right hand, it could be interesting. The
3: found footage movie is, is, seems to be the deal now, you know. Well,
2: yeah, like I said, they're even talking about doing that with the new Friday the Thirteenth movie. But uh, yeah. the other one I was thinking about that, you know, as sacrilegious as it may sound, although now that it's happening, people are, as they should be, wetting their pants in excitement, is the is Godzilla. Oh
3: yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, as long as you, as long as you hope it doesn't turn out like the Broderick version.
2: Well, the, I said Godzilla.
3: I don't. What was not, that? Not
2: not iguanazilla <laughs>
3: Not
2: actually. You know, Toho actually. I'm a huge uh, Godzilla yeah. fan. Toho actually incorporated that monster into their universe and just call him Zilla because he's not Godzilla. That's just Zilla. And, you know, in, like, Final War and stuff like that, I mean, the real Godzilla just, just demolishes them. And the new Godzilla comic IDW is putting out, is it uh, Rulers of Earth or Kingdom of Monsters? I can't remember which one now. I think it's Rulers of Earth. yeah, but Godzilla
3: I know, oh, like, nothing
2: about They me. have a whole issue of Godzilla and Zilla fighting. It's like, wow, man. Right on.
3: Oh, I got a you good know. one. Hmm. Reanimator. Ooh. What's the Again. other one? There's there's another one that I don't well, I don't from, know. Phantasm, from Phantasm.
2: Well, they're doing a new Phantasm movie. That's what I'm movie. saying. Did you
3: is see it that? is it a reboot or is no? That is, is the final
2: a... chapter okay. of the original the original franchise. That's
3: that's another one I was just
2: thinking of. And that one came out. I know. I love how they filmed that movie in secret. Basically, what they did was with, with the last Phantasm movie, they've been filming it in secret for years. That's how it just came up out of the blue. Like what? I don't know if you've seen the preview or not. Like, but for people that haven't watched the trailer, you should. All of a sudden, there's a scene of like the giant, one of the giant, a giant sphere floating in the air, and oh man, it just looks ridiculous.
3: Maybe they Angus Grimm! Maybe they should make a new Tales from the Dark Side. <sighs> Chud, how about we remake Chud? <laughs> I love Chud. Okay, I'm done at this point.
2: I love Chud, but you know, but you know, and people can sound off on this. Oh yeah. On- Facebook, we would love to hear your comments. A and not not this tongue-in-cheek crap either. I mean, what is legitimately an old or classic horror movie that ge- you genuinely believe could use a modern remake?
3: All right, well, quick, like the
2: like the Kindred or something awesome like that.
3: Before before you pick your song, then before you pick your song. Oh yes, rate the werewolf remake.
2: Uh, Wolf the Wolfman?
3: The Wolfman, yeah. Right there. I
2: guess here is the best rating I can give it. It has been in my Netflix queue for three years. <laughs> and it keeps getting close to the top.
5: Oh, my God.
2: And I keep just pushing it back down. Okay. I want to like it. I I might. But I just can't bring myself to try. That's funny. And and I don't watch a ton of movies anyway, so, I mean, three years to me is, you know, probably like six months to anyone else. But uh, but uh, I, I just can't give myself the oomph to, to watch it yet.
3: If it helps, it was directed by the guy who did Captain America.
2: Yeah, I, I, I want to like it. I wanted to go see it in the theater, and I just never got around to it. Okay. And it's it's always, like, number 11 in, like, my 10 films to watch. That's funny. So there you have it. That's funny.
3: All right. Well, what do you got for us to listen to this month? What are we going to enjoy?
2: Oh, we are going to enjoy something very, very nice, Um, if I do say so myself. Uh, I wasn't. It wasn't on last month. I thought it was only fitting that maybe I do a double song. Uh Uh-oh. Don't be nervous.
3: No, no. Brain Stew Geek's think Breath or whatever.
2: What are you talking about? (laughs) Green Day. (laughs) No, no. Have we met? Uh, No, this is much more metal. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) This is actually uh, a new semi super group has formed Killer Be Killed, which features uh, vocals and guitar from uh, Greg from Dillinger, Escape Plan, uh, Max Cavalero from Soulfly. And uh, Troy from Mastodon, and then drums are by uh, Dave uh, uh, Ellich, who uh, was in Mars Volta, and they have formed a group called Killer Be Killed, and they've their uh, their first kind of a teaser, I guess, from their album coming out is a they've released two songs called uh, Wings of Feather and Wax and Face Down. So since uh, I did not get to. Eskew my metal on everyone last month. This is a double track from Killer Be Killed, Wings of Feather and Wax, and Face Down.
3: Alright, and we will enjoy that, and Dirk and I will be back sooner than you think.
0: Woo! Ha 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 ha. From another brain. We live on through the night Night of eternal fire I never
3: Time to do, do another Dark Horse discourse with Ah. What's up, Bob? Dan, good to hear from you,
5: dude. How are you?
3: Good, good. I, I'm probably better than you are with all of this show running around you're doing.
5: Well, you know, it's it <laughs> certainly it's certainly early convention season for us, and uh, you know, Dark Horse has got to get out and represent. It's uh, it's a big year for us, and a lot of awesome properties are coming out, and so we got to get the shows, get the people, know where they're going, and uh, give them some stuff. Comics, man, comics.
3: <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Um, C2E2 just ended, so what's next yep. on Dark Horse's schedule?
5: It was good seeing you there.
3: Oh, wasn't it? <laughs> was it? I'm so glad we got to do that thing.
5: <laughs> it was an awesome show. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, we'll look back on it and laugh. <laughs> yeah,
3: I hope everybody enjoys the pictures that we took in front of the Monsters and Metal Wall.
5: Absolutely. Which, I'm Bob, glad that you guys even... are having a Monsters in metal Middle Wall.
3: <laughs> oh, the fun of podcasting.
5: Yeah, it's had the fun of podcasts, exactly. Um, so rolling forward into May, here we are. Free comic book day, everybody. Uh, May 3rd, go to your local comic shop. I don't care where it is, and go pick up all the free comics that you can, because that's the whole name of the game, isn't it? Just loot the comic store. <laughs> Free comics, right? Well, from Dark Horse at least we've got uh we've got an Avatar book, an all ages book with Any Bitty Hellboy and David Lapham's Juice Squeezers. And some new Avatar stuff drawn by Faith Aaron Hicks, which is rad. Uh, so it's not the usual uh, Gene Yang and and uh, and crew Guri Hi- Guri Hiru from Japan. This is actually Faith Aaron Hicks drawing that one. And then the other free comic book day book is uh, Project Black Sky, and it's uh it's going to be pretty crazy. It's the first time we're actually having our new superheroes crossover in a in a book that everybody can kind of go and go out and grab. So uh, Captain Midnight and Brain Boy battle a giant purple ape. I yeah, you heard that. it right. <laughs> <laughs> It's going it to be Apex. Where? is, 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 is it... the villain's name, Apex. And uh, so, I mean, two, two killer offerings. They're actually both all-ages books, so I highly recommend, you know, the young and the old, go out, pick them up, and uh, check them out. And do then, you, uh, do I guess, you personally
3: yeah. have plans for free comic book day?
5: Me personally? Yeah. Do, I, uh, do you have
3: a shop you I, go to or anything?
5: I, I mean, well, Thanks for Another World is the big, uh, big shop here in Portland. Obviously, they're a sister store to uh, to Dark Horse, um, but also here in Portland, there's a great shop called Bridge City Comics, which is rad uh, up in North Portland, and they have a lot of killer indie comics and uh, just just a great selection of trades. So that's my other cool. my other go to, and then I have my like hometown shops back east, but I can't get to that shit. So okay. come on now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, what else? You got?
5: But uh. But uh, I will say this: uh, After you read your your Project Black Sky Free Comic Book Day book, you go to Project dot net, and there will be a big old surprise waiting for you. Uh, I'm not saying we're launching a killer web comic, but I am saying that.
3: Message received. <laughs> 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 I,
5: I might be saying it might be appearing about three three times a week. All original content, a story written by Fred Van Lente. Uh, I said too much.
3: <laughs> but maybe you're not <laughs> but, saying that.
5: I'm not, I but I am. Exactly. Project Black ProjectBlackSky.net. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that works. Oh man! So moving onwards into the month of May, uh, Angel of Faith is is in season ten now. Uh, we have a we've got a month out now. We've seen seen issue one. Issue two comes out in May. Uh, Can't Go Wrong with Angel of Faith, written by uh, Mr. Victor Gishler of uh, Clown Hall and uh, Kiss Me Fate and Fame. So there you go. Uh, Bad Blood is wrapping up, and that's Jonathan Mayberry. Issue number five hits May 7th, and, you know, that's been an awesome series. Have you been reading that at all?
3: I'm pleading the fifth.
5: Pleading the fifth? You need to go <laughs> back and read it. it, it no, dude, I'm, you got to pick it. up Jonathan Mayberry's Bad Blood. <laughs> It's Tyler Crook is the artist, and, and I mean, you know, so you read BPRD, reads very, very similar, and you, you got a killer, weird uh, vampire, uh, vampire story there. Not, not your normal, not, n- not your normal one. It's definitely more, uh, more lit, literary. Seeing as Jonathan Mayberry is more of a uh, prose author, so check it out. Also closing up in May, we have Grindhouse ending on issue eight. Doors open at midnight. Alex De Campy's crazy anthology book is uh, is wrapping up. So. Keep your eyes peeled. It's brutal and totally not safe for work. Um, well, you should read it at work anyway to see what your employees think. Um, exactly. Yeah, why not? And, uh, you know, Veil. Vale. Okay, let's talk about Veil. Vale. Veil's going to be in its third issue. And Greg Rucka, right? writing in Veil. Vale. Uh, killer artist on the series as well. And that book is crazy. And I know you've seen a little bit of vale.
3: well, Veil. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely reading Veil. Vale. You better believe that.
5: Good, good. Yeah, that's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be a around for a little while. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. But Vale is uh, an awesome creator-owned series. Everybody should go and check it out. Greg Rucka can pretty much do no wrong. <laughs> then uh, also, you're gonna see in May uh, a return of our the fan favorite Hellboy in Hell. I think issue number six is actually out May 14th so um, for everybody who's been waiting around for Hellboy in Hell it's, you know, we're getting it out as fast as we can and uh, number 6 will be on shelves waiting to confuse everybody and take you deeper into the mire that is the verse. it's going to be awesome nice yeah yeah and Abe Sapien number 12 hits shelves as well if you're following the ongoing Abe story it's uh, it's just been one crazy hell ride after another yeah yeah Abe Sapien yeah. Yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah,
3: Everybody, just, just, I have to tell you this real quick. Everybody um, who picked up a Hellboy mask at DanCon was like, do you got an Abe mask? <laughs> so, really? They Abe so a- mask? That's awesome. Just That's so good you know. know. Yeah, you, you passed that Note along to Lyons.
5: <laughs> Note to self, expensive, expensive marketing material, create new Abe and Sapien masks. Let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and do that for, uh, for next round. Um, and Tim Seeley's uh, coming back with a new new uh, book, uh, Jack Kraken. It's going to be a one-shot. It's uh, totally weird. Uh, I, I mean, what's the best way to even describe this? I mean, kind of a, a She-Ra kind of uh, characters, uh, humanoids and, and humans uh, fighting each other, cat women, uh, Tim Seeley. <laughs> Tim Seeley to a T. Um, Timmy T. Uh, new X coming out, I mean, also prior to the Project Black Sky universe, uh, X number 13 will be on shelves May 14th as well, and, you know, that's just been a crazy series of Dwayne Straczynski, and it's just been so intense and just violent and awesome and gory, so, uh, you simply can't go wrong with X. No,
3: not right? at all. No, definitely
5: not at all. Not at all, exactly. Um... You know, not not in the horror vein for May, but we do have a new Axe Cop series coming out. Axe Cop, American Choppers, and I mean, if you if you watched uh, any of the Fox HD what is it? HDAD, high def, high definition animation domination. I, oh ADHD, that's right. It had a funny acronym. That's what it was. Uh, animation domination. Hi def axe cop had a fantastic series run and it sounds like they might be getting another one so we've got a new axe cop series on the way so check that out uh, that's you know if you can uh, keep up with the pacing of the nine year old brain and uh, his brother <laughs> that, that draws it there you go that's ADHD to a T also uh Let's see, what else we got? That's out that one's out May twenty first, if you're if you're keeping keeping tabs here. Also on May twenty first, the uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer number three of the new season ten. This actually starts the uh, the Nicholas Brendan arc. Uh, Nicholas Brendan uh, from the series is actually coming into co write for three, four, and five. So all the Buffyverse fanboys and fangirls get out and pick up the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know you want to. Do it. Any uh, good any
3: good trades coming out? In May? You know, there's a
5: bunch of good trades coming out. I'm just trying to think. I'm looking through. Let me just... As I continue my English... Well, Witcher
3: uh, is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Witcher
5: back. is fantastic. Uh, written by Paul Tobin. It's a variation on a uh, Polish gaming company's game, The Witcher, which has two, uh, two different games out now, and a third is on the way. We just don't know exactly when. But the series... The comic series has been a really interesting, uh, kind of folklore take on that particular game, which is awesome. Um, our, our last big, uh, Star Wars series is going to be launching actually, Star Wars Darth Maul, son of Dothomir, uh, will be launching May 21st, and that's, uh, written by Jeremy Barlow, and that's one of the, that's the, it's, it's the tie-in to one of the lost episodes of, uh, Clone Wars, so. Everybody who missed out on that gets to read it now, and then you know it's it's one of your last chance opportunities. Get on board, come on, <laughs> do it. And uh, yeah, new Eltingville Club actually comes out. This uh, this is part two of a, of a basically a two part one shot. Eltingville Club is Evan Dorkins. Uh, it, it had a pilot pilot episode on uh, Comedy uh and Cartoon Network, and uh, Eltingville Club is just about these four terrible dudes that uh that you know hang out in a comic shop and the terrible things and uh and stereotypes and uh, various other <laughs> hilarious uh, situations they find themselves in uh the book is hysterical i highly recommend if you're a fan of evan dork and milk and cheese etc go out check out eltingville club it's funny
3: and uh how about yeah, emily uh, emily and the strangers
5: Emily the Strangers launches in June, new June? Okay. Uh, new series, yep, yep, so I'm sure we'll come back and we'll chat about that soon enough, but we do have new series from Emily on the way, and then in the trade realm, I was just trying to think of what the fun stuff that's hitting in May... Oh, yeah, Killjoys finally comes out in May. Um, the True Lives of Fabulous Killjoys will be collected. Uh, we'll see that out May 7th. There's a big old fancy limited edition uh, you can get for 80 bucks if you're really keen on Gerard Way. Um, and it looks spectacular. It's a slipcase. It's freaking sexy. Um, the Emily and the Stranger's the first trade uh, uh, from the first series that actually uh, collects from last year is actually out May 14th, so you can keep an eye out for that one. And the first volume of Hellboy in Hell, which is the first five issues, comes out uh, May 14th as well. So, boom, how about that? Nice. Yeah, Hellboy in Hell on the shelves. Let's do it.
3: It's a lot of Hellboy Uh in Hell
5: in May. Trying. It's almost
3: like it was Hellboy Day again.
5: (laughs) <laughs> Almost like it was Cowboy Day. Cowboy yeah. Day was nuts, man. That was crazy. That was that was a whole lot of stuff going on.
3: Very cool.
1: Very cool.
5: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also, uh, also out in May, in the, the Minyola verse, Sledgehammer Volume One comes out uh, May twenty eighth. So that gets collected, which is sweet. Uh, Sledgehammer uh, forty four is just you know, it's the it's the the. Quintessential universe set in the World War II era with the, uh, the, the the big giant monster fighting the Nazi monsters and you know Nazis 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 and uh, and lots of fighting and destruction and uh, hoo ha and whatnot you know.
3: <laughs> that's a lot of good whatnot. Yeah, that's a lot of great whatnot. <laughs> All right, all right. Anything else, real quick, before
5: before we wrap it up? I do there's, there's just tons of great stuff going out in May, so keep keep your eyes peeled, and you know, check the bookstore shelves often, or the comic shop shelves often, and make sure that you participate in Free Comic Book Day because we don't do it for nothing. <laughs>
3: And also make sure you're catching up on the strain before the TV show. What oh, dude, Go
5: absolutely on. catch up on the strain. Go out and read all the trades you can, because when that TV show hits on FX, that thing could take off like wildfire. And fingers crossed that it does. I have no doubt that it won't, because anything here with a Toro touches is friggin' gold.
3: Anything on FX is gold. That's like my That's number true. one That's network. That is my number one network when it comes to TV. Very cool. Very cool. So where can everybody do uh, find Dark Horse online and, and all that other fun stuff?
5: Oh Well, you can go to darkhorse.com. You can tweet at us at Dark Horse Comics. You can find us on Facebook. I mean, we're everywhere. Everywhere you want to be. All
3: right. Well, what do you got for us to listen to this one?
5: This month, uh, from my boys out in Michigan, still remains. They released a new album called Ceasing to Breathe. Uh, I am going to give you that title track, Ceasing to Breathe. So enjoy and uh, have an awesome one.
3: Awesome. And we will talk to you next month.
5: All right, Dan, we'll talk to you.
3: messaging segment with Dave Elliott. What's up Dave?
6: Hey Dan! Hey man I'm here. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
3: I wasn't sure if you were there or not.
6: <laughs> yeah just making sure, just making sure.
3: <laughs> How are you?
6: Uh, I'm good, I'm good. It's yeah it's um going to be a busy year for me uh so yeah yeah that's a good thing though yeah no it's good it's good the, the books are doing well um and you know starting to get the royalties in and it's the uh, yeah it's 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 nice because the you know um i see what i'm doing is with atomic as being sort of like a, a mini little cottage industry and i'm working with many different creators and you know it's 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 a it's a difficult time you know for creators like it's The the, you've you've got like the Avengers movie out there and Captain America and you know everyone thinks that like the comics industry is this billion dollar wow every you know you're a comic artist or creator wow you must be making millions and it's like no it's only Disney and Warner Brothers make the billions of dollars and we all we've all got pennies and we're all fighting over those and um, but it's going well it's it's nice to see like the you know. The royalties of the, all the books have been doing very well, so we're 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 really psyched about that.
3: How's uh how's the feedback coming back to you on uh, volume two?
6: Uh, oh, it's been great. I mean, it's it's kind of been weird because, you know, um, I'm already uh yeah, I'm 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 wrapping volume three. Um, already halfway through volume four. Um. Uh, as soon as I've finished volume two uh, volume three i've got to do um, uh, wrap volume two of a one up um, i'm starting work this week on uh, the sequel to Weirding willows um, so yeah it's it's busy
3: I love this cover to volume two
6: Oh, it's awesome, and, isn't it?
3: And didn't you just post the? Uh, when I say just post, we're in, we're in April, even and not May. But uh, didn't you just post the cover to Volume Three? Yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. Nice little demoness, yeah, you know, holding a severed head. You might. I thought you might appear that. Uh, I
3: love it. Are you? A decapitated kidding? head. <laughs> I pretend every time I see something like that that someone did it just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? You know, you, I don't know. Is that something that you're going for with with the books when they come out? Is the the sexy monster woman on the cover, or does that just happen to be what's going on for the first three so far? Um, just coincidence. It's
6: just fun. It's just like, you know, look, look, when, you know, it's for the guys who like to draw, you know, sexy women, um, uh, monsters and things like that it's it's becoming you know well well sure well every like marvel and d c comic has these sort of you know scantily clad women on them doing actually a fun sexy woman that's not a you know a licensed character um don't cares she get the chance to do that, and you know as said like you know a de- a, a big winged demoness you know who's She's naked on the cover holding a severed head. Um you don't get to do that very often, and you certainly get don't get to do comic strips like that with that sort of material in it. It's
1: right. you
6: know, it's it's literally like it's 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 almost down to, you know, you've got um Xenoscope, you've got heavy metal and, and us really, and you know, it's and it's all good fun. It's like, you know, tongue in cheek yeah there's some sexy babes in it and there's big monsters and you know someone's getting head torn off um um you know mutant zombies and it's and it's and it's just fun to do it's a blast to do that type of material you know where where you're not being held back at all
3: mm-hmm.
6: so yeah yeah with,
3: all right well what are you what are we working on now what are what's what's in the works other than other than like you just said you're wrapping up uh monster massacre volume three what what are people going to be talking about come may
6: well the next book they're going to see will be um the weirding willows trade um so as I, you know i'm i'm starting work on that this week uh and I've already got my copies in from the printer. I got them a couple of weeks ago. So I know they're on their way to the stores. So that'll be um, they'll be in the next sort of month and a half.
1: Okay. And
6: yeah, so no, Weeding Willows, I've been really happy with the reaction that Weeding Willows has had. Um, it's just fun. It's just, you know, seeing where, because cause when you start telling someone that you're doing a comic strip that's got, you know, Alice from Alice in Wonderland. You've got the Frankenstein's monster in it, and you've got Dr. Moreau in it, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, di- talking dinosaurs. Everyone's like, all right, that's that's just insane. How are you going to make that work? And it's fun seeing people putting that all together and going, oh, oh, I see how you're doing all this. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> um yeah so let me
3: ask you let me ask you a question why um well not even so much why but are you noticing um I wouldn't want to say like more sales in particular but do you notice more people go towards collecting just the individual story compared to getting the anthology issues when you had those coming
6: out um, I think the based on um pre-orders the uh, I think we're going to sell more copies of the collection and the um, anthology um, the single although I don't know if we beat the sales of the single episodes digitally
3: okay, okay.
6: Um, those were a nice surprise because um, I wasn't sure like it wasn't again um, it wasn't um, you know it wasn't a Marvel or DC book. It's not Walking Dead. It's not a TV show. So, you know, I was kind of like, ah, we'll probably just get, like, you know, a couple hundred or so. And it was like, whoo. Sure. That's good. Oh, and we've got, you know, and, you know, it it kept moving every time we, like, a new installment came out. So
3: That's always good.
6: Yeah. That's always um, actually,
3: that's that's really good. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because I'm always curious, like, in terms of, like, the digital front, how how you're seeing sales in terms of as we move forward into the future you know what you're seeing in terms of digital sales compared to hard copy sales you know
6: well i think it's it's see the issue for digital when when you talk about the independent publisher and i can't talk for everybody but at least my experience seems to be by the time the physical copy has been solicited and hits the store
1: mm-hmm.
6: you've probably got about half the stores went oh we didn't even order that. Oh, oh, and you've got people coming in asking for it. Okay. And so, you know, you, you know, uh, Titan actually kept the numbers pretty low on the on the um, the print runs. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was like if you you know oh um, you missed it oh, oops sorry oops um hey go and buy the digital and you know. Which isn't particularly good for a retailer, but for the audience, um, they seem to be seeing it that way. And and again, it's finding another market. It's there's another market that seems to be um, uh, slowly building. That's um, just coming for digital comics.
3: And it's different. I mean, I like it. it you know, in theory, I, you know, I'm a guy who likes a hard copy, but. You know, but in theory, the the fact that I could have this little jump drive in my pocket and it's my enti- it's, it's ten long boxes, <laughs> you, you know, it's well, it's I, it, hard to say. I mean,
6: it is. I mean, if if you're someone like I, you know, um, there are times when I do. Tra- you know, I don't travel all the time, but when I do, it seems to be sort of. You know, I've I've got like three, four big trips coming up soon, and you know, there's always that thing of oh god it's like yeah i've got to read that script while i'm away and yeah i have to read that contract and i've got to read this and oh god I've, you know and, and I, I don't want to have something fun to read and you're sort of filling your carry-on bag up well now you can actually get to the point where oh i've got my ipad um i've actually got something like about seven or 800 comics on my ipad mm-hmm. um and it's it, sometimes it's stuff that I just I, I know I'm not going to get around to reading unless I go on away on a trip um, so it's always a nice surprise to go through hey what, by the way what did I buy two months ago <laughs> um, and it's like and you know and I've loaded up the, the scripts I need to read the contracts I need to read it's all on my iPad so instead of sort of a big bulky bag that's weighing your shoulders down I've, I've got right. something that's nice and you know that's as, as slim as a you know a notepad and it's got everything on it,
3: right? And and like you said, I mean that's that's the fun thing is if you say say you're reading Rachel Rising and you're ten issues behind, you could have all ten issues at your fingertips and, and not have to worry about lugging them around and all that other stuff. I mean it's it, it works out it, it works itself out. Um,
6: so yeah, because I just it's, it's funny. I I never thought I'd see myself do it. Uh-huh. I'm actually reading, like, not comics, but novels on my iPhone. And I oh, never thought really? I'd do that. On I
3: that never... tiny little screen?
6: You know what? <laughs> I used to be the same. I used to go, there's no way. But you see, what you're doing is you're adjusting the size of the font. So even on that little phone, sure, you're getting like a paragraph to read at a time, but you just flick. Right. Read it, flick. Right. Read it, flick. And, you know, I've i been you know, needing to use the train quite often so recently. So at the moment, I am as part of what's going to be happening in the next two to three volumes of Weeding Willows, I need to sort of, you know, reread all the John Carter books. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because John Carter figures and Mars figures quite heavily into that little, um, in the next three volumes. Okay. Um, so again, I'm going like, oh yeah, cause I like, guess it's, it's, you know, I've, you know, I've read them all, and I know what the, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah, John Cartier, Takas, yeah, everyone, yeah, okay, yeah, but it's the little details. The little details of the society of the the Green Martians, the Red Martians, the Black Martians, the White Martians, you know, it says, i I've, I've just got back, but it's, I can read them on my iPhone, and by adjusting the type size, and you go like, oh, wow, you can, it does work. Yeah. Well, that's um, really cool. Yeah.
3: That's really cool. All right, well, before we go, before we, before we cut out here, I do want to point out that um, I'm looking at, what is this? This is the April previews, but you can still always go to your, your local shop and, and order it. Um, right now in Solicence, you have the Carpe Diem Volume, volume 1.
6: Yes, yep. So
3: people yep. Can, can go and pre-order that, and they can still get... Um, weirding willows yeah
6: it's never too late like go you know go to your retailer ask them for the weirding willows the the odyssey trade and uh the cop diem book don't you have the tomorrowland
3: trade
6: i think yeah that came that came out yeah that's that's out as well um with the the weirding willows odyssey and cop diem trades they all have extra material in that wasn't in the original run um and one of the interesting things I did with Odyssey that i I kind of I, I I always hated like George Lucas when he changed Star Wars if you read the trade it's a completely different read from the mini series because what I did is I've added 20 pages of material to the story some of it's before what you see in the series and but the majority of it's sort of in between and at the end of the story how dare you and I've re I've not re dialogued but I've actually layered in so that the entire six-issue arc that you read in the comic is actually being told to somebody else as part of the story. So it's, you get all this extra detail of what's going on and the relationships of the characters laid over the top because now it's, it's in the past tense as someone's telling that story to somebody else. And it, you, so you get all this extra information about the characters, um, in it. So very cool. Yeah,
3: that's real cool. All right, where can everybody find you online and everything that you do?
6: Um, Instagram and Twitter, uh, DeviantArt, all under deve Elliot um, and Atomica Press on Facebook. Oh, and um, it,
3: it, by now it's it's May. So, any shows coming up for you yet?
6: Um, Yes, I'm doing WonderCon. I'll be at WonderCon. Yes, come see me at WonderCon. Oh, actually, no, we're not. Yeah, it's last... (laughs) (laughs) It's April. Um, Well, next month... Well,
3: thanks for seeing him at WonderCon, everybody.
6: Yeah, yeah, it was great (laughs) to see you guys. Um, (laughs) Um, I'll be at HeroesCon, San Diego. um, uh, I'm looking at Boston. uh, So, New York Comic Con... Yeah, a couple of others I'm adding, and I want to do Fan Expo as well.
3: Why would you go to WonderCon instead of coming to see me at C2E2?
6: It only did well. The reason I'm doing WonderCon is I actually have to be in Los Angeles for 10 days.
3: Oh, okay. So it works itself out. You're there. It does. It works.
6: It's like so, yeah, and that the weekend, the Saturday of WonderCon is. uh, my good friend David Baxter, who actually wrote the Marksman series for Image, it's his 50th birthday. So oh, nice. um, we're having a, a Game of Thrones 50th birthday party on uh, Saturday night. Oh, very
3: nice. Very yeah. nice. Well, happy have have belated birthday to him. Definitely. Because it's belated at this point.
6: When, of course, yes, there. yes, yep. yes, it is. But very cool. That's really cool. As it, was it was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs>
3: Oh goodness! All right, well, uh, yeah. As always, thank you so much for for being here and being a part of the show. And we will talk to you next month.
6: Thanks very much, Dan.
3: Our first Century Media spotlight this month comes to us from Valen Fire with their new album Splendors coming out on May thirteenth. This is Scabs. <laughs> who keep breaking everything. <laughs> no, seriously, joining me is a voice that may sound a little familiar, Dirk Manning.
2: How did this happen?
3: Uh, I think somebody's sleeping with the boss.
2: Maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, do, 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 do you like your birthday? Uh, you have not yet sent me a picture of your birthday present.
3: Oh, it stays in the package.
2: You haven't taken it out?
3: It stays in the package.
2: Have Did you at least open it up to look at it?
3: It stays in the package. Wow. I know. For
2: those of you out there that don't know, Dan collects Iceman. And I got him for his birthday. The variant, I might add, Iceman bust. So he's clear instead of frosty. And you haven't even taken out to look at it. No. <sighs> happy birthday it's your present hey thanks. <laughs> thanks but yes We're almost
3: halfway to the next one
2: i'm, I'm here i'm on this side of... yeah <laughs> all I, right yeah. okay
3: come on now stop it i just want to ship come on let's get back to the interview
2: but yeah interview interview sorry We're it's been so long
3: reason. i know hasn't it hasn't it all right so um who are you and what do you do
2: my name is Dirk Manning, and I am the writer and creator of all kinds of scary comics over the years, including Nightmare World, is uh, my, I guess, my debut on the scene, uh, Love Stories to Die For, and most recent books include I did a four-issue stint on The Legend of Oz: The Wicked West for Big Dog Inc. about the origin of the flying monkeys, but most importantly, at long last, in print through Devil's Do Entertainment, Tales of Mystery.
3: Why would you write a book about Sherlock Holmes?
2: Sherlock Holmes?
3: I don't. Tales of Mystery.
2: Ah, yeah. Well, I say actually, I did a Sherlock Holmes story for Nightmare World called uh, "While You Sleep, I Destroy Your World," which not only did the BBC Sherlock series borrow from, but apparently the American version did as well.
1: Nice. Nice.
2: It's it. You know, when you publish your work online and it's been out there for so long that happens in fact what's the uh quick side note what's that new uh once upon a time uh the the the, the, ABC the tv show. show the abc, ABC show. show yeah, yeah. I, I was actually happened to walk by a television that was on and saw a commercial and they're bringing the wicked witch into the series and she actually made a joke in the commercial that this isn't the west this is the wicked west and i'm like Oh, really? Like somebody gonna because... sue
3: somebody?
2: Well, it was just a little, you know, wink and a nudge, you know, to the comic. Obviously, yeah, I, so. know. I know, I know, that's so, funny. That is funny, though. Yeah, it's yeah, same thing with you know Sherlock. My Sherlock story. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, no, right, Champs-
3: but, but but in all honesty, this is the sequel to Miss Tree from Icon <laughs> back in the day, right?
2: I didn't even know there was a comic called Miss Tree. Uh, until <laughs> many years after I started Tales of Mystery, I, I really didn't. Someone actually brought it up to me, and I'm like, "Well, what?" And like, "Yeah, when are you gonna do the Mystery? Because Mystery Mister R H E E, and then you know, so Mystery is his moniker." And they said, "When are you gonna do the the Mystery Mystery team up?" And I'm like, "The Who?" They said, "Mystery Man," and I'm like, "Who's Mystery?" Yeah, I didn't even know. So that's funny. I wish I was that hip. I thought I was much more clever than I thought I was. Although I will say, this never ever stops. People will be read "Tales of Mystery," come up to me and say, "Yeah, I really like this book. I really like it." And I go, "Oh, cool, man!" You know, they're talking, and they'll say to me, "Oh my God, I just got it. It's Tales of Mystery.'" I'm like, <laughs> because unless you say it out loud, you know, it doesn't it doesn't register with
3: well, people. Course, yeah, no, I get that. That makes sense.
2: No, but uh, Tales Mystery is more of a, a horror noir book. We actually did the first volume in black and white uh, grayscale. It's kind of like an old black and white film. And uh, very dark. It's probably some of the darkest stuff I've ever done in terms of horror. And uh, the trade paperback has a really cool full-color section in the back and a prose story and all kinds of good stuff. But, yeah, it's horror noir. Very hard-boiled, very, very dark. And you get murdered in it, which is an added bonus. Whoops. Whoops.
3: And there's a the Monsters in Metal plug.
2: There is. Yeah, you're actually wearing the Monsters in Metal shirt.
3: So the first person to find that and send us a picture uh, via Monsters in Metal on the Facebook page will win something.
2: I will give them... Well, I can't give a copy. Of yeah, that. because they, they already there have, have
3: a copy.
2: Um, we'll do something We'll quick.
3: figure something. We'll, we'll figure do something. something, but that is that is open. If the first person who sends us that picture
2: of Dan be murdered in Tales of Mystery, Volume 1, uh, I'll make sure you get something very cool. Very cool.
3: So there's there's that to look forward to. But no, let's, uh, what I'm curious about uh, with this is, originally, you had done a Kickstarter for it. Yes, yes. And I'm guessing that was successful.
2: It was, as a matter of fact.
3: Is that what funded the book to be made for it to be sold through Devil's Due?
2: Yeah, um... You know, Tales of Mystery was an online comic. It was the, 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 the spinoff of Nightmare World uh, uh, for years. And it was just a situation where I really wanted to take it to print. I really wanted to experiment with Kickstarter. But I also didn't want to leave traditional comic book shops out of the loop. And what happened was um, I started talking to Josh Blaylock about this one day at a convention. We were kind of talking about things. He was getting ready to relaunch. Uh, This is a couple of years ago now we started talking about this. He was getting to kind of relaunch uh, Devil's Due, and we were talking, and I said, yeah, man. I said, what I'd really like to do is do something like Take Tales of Mystery, which has a big online audience, launch it through Kickstarter to give Kickstarter backers an exclusive version of the book, which we did with a hardcover, but then also be able to release a standard trade paperback edition through the comic shops. That way, people that are like really diehard into it can, like, get the book plate signed, hardcover edition. They could only get through Kickstarter, but then the mass market, we could use Kickstarter to also, f- you know, fund the mass market edition that we would take to comic shops. And uh, Josh, to his credit, was like, that sounds awesome, man. We should do that. And so it began. Because, you know, I mean, comic shops have been very good to me over the years, and I didn't want to – Leave them uh, in the lurch on this, which is was always my Kickstarter dilemma. But this worked out really well. Um, Riley Rosmo, an old friend of, I guess all the shows, you know all the <laughs> all the damn jokes, uh, actually did two covers. He did a cover for the hardcover, and he did a cover for a uh, separate cover for the trade paperback. Um, and uh, yeah, the Kickstarter went well. Uh, people really knew it. Some people got characters named after them in the book. Some people got drawn into the book in little cameo roles. Um, uh, it was just, uh, it was real cool, man. Um, there's a million things I would do differently if I ever do a second Kickstarter. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, that's the type of person I am. I always look back at my mistakes, but, uh, but it was a positive experience. I mean, it was positive. It was really cool. People were really into it. Very stressful. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, something that I feel like I almost want to do it again at some point just to correct, just to do things differently. Uh, because this was a pre-existing property, so there, I couldn't do as much with it as I would have liked to have with a completely uh, or much newer product. So, right.
3: right. So, okay. Um, basically, if I wanted to get a copy of this at this point mm-hmm. and here in May, how do I get a copy of it?
2: Uh, you just go to your local comic shop and uh, you know just ask them to order a copy. It's available. That's one of the reasons we did the Kickstarter. It's now available through Devils Do from comic shops everywhere. Uh, just go in and ask for Tales of Mystery, um, you know, M-R, then R-A-G-E. Volume one is called Procreation of the Wicked, named after a classic metal song. And uh, Or, you know, hunt me down at a convention. You know, uh, this month I will be at, I'll be basically touring the Midwest. Um, a couple days, you know, from when this airs, May 3rd, I'll be in Hilliard, Ohio for free comic book day at Pack Rat Comics. Uh, May 16th, 17th, and 18th, I'll be at Motor City Comic Con in Novi. Uh, a week after that, I'll be in Traverse City, Michigan at the Cherry Capital Comic Con, May 23rd to 25th. And then I will be in Indianapolis May 30th to June 1st for the Indie Pop Con. And then after that in June, if you're going down to Louisville, Kentucky, our friends, uh, Derby City. will be my first time ever at Derby City, if you can believe that, June 28th and 29th.
3: Will it be your first time ever in Kentucky, though?
2: I passed through once when I was little, but it'll be my first time ever actually staying there. So, yes.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. Once but, yeah, again, people,
2: yeah people can get through the local comic shop, though. That means you don't want to wait, so.
3: Your big train of shows begins. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think my convention season ends anymore. I just got to keep going and going. <laughs> and... uh and I will say too, if people like this, uh, this the uh, summer we will be launching. It should be in previews, I think, when this comes out. I uh, check previews for Tales of Mystery Volume Two, Carmageddon, Issue Number One has a cover by none other than Eric Powell.
3: So, are you doing? Are you are you aiming now for single issues?
2: Um, Carmageddon, the sequel is going to be a full color four issue miniseries. Um, the actually, what we're doing is the first issue. Uh, it should be in previews this month. As a matter of fact, it's going to be coming out in August. Uh, is going to be a dollar ninety nine okay. for a full length issue. Uh, so we're going to do a four issue miniseries and then put out a trade. Uh, I'm already working on volume three as well, which I think we'll do as a miniseries and then hopefully put out a trade after that. So very cool. Very yeah, because you know, people that don't know my work, sometimes it's tough to ante up 15, 16 bucks for a book, you know. So, it's time, you know. And right. mysteries, a series that lends itself to issues. So, yeah, I'll be doing that as well. And especially for a buck ninety nine, you get a twenty two page full color comic with an Eric Powell cover, written by me, and Seth, Seth the Moose, and Anthony Lee doing the illustrations and colors on this. Oh man, I, I, I how do the kids say it? I can't even.
3: I don't I know what the kids say.
2: I don't know. That's what I hear they say. I can't even. It's just, the art is just amazing.
3: Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, where can, where can people find you online?
2: Uh, I actually, uh, com. You can go to Facebook or go to Twitter, at Dirk manning all one word. And begrudgingly, I even started both an Instagram and a Tumblr. What? At DirkManning. Well, my Instagram, I vowed, No dinner, no selfies. (laughs) So, so far I have like eight pictures, (laughs) you know.
3: And one was lunch yesterday. Yeah, not
2: not even. I did take a picture of a really good-looking Shirley Temple, but I don't think that really counts. Very
3: cool. Very cool. And uh, since you are not going to be here for the outro, because I'm going to record that after C2E2 or the week of C2E2 for the most part, uh, what would your book pick have been for Book of the Month?
2: Do we even need to ask?
3: Exactly. Tales of Tales Mystery.
2: Tales of Mystery, Volume 1, Procreation of the Wicked from Devil's Due. Uh, if you're just looking for good horror noir, and you're looking for a book that's going to be a franchise and going to be a series, and you get a sweet Riley Rossmo cover, Josh Ross did all the interior, I mean, this is the book. This is the book that anyone that listens to this show has been waiting for.
3: Very cool. Well, Dirk, as always, thank you.
2: Thank you. Hey, and thank, you thank you for your
3: well, first creator appearance. <laughs> it, it's been a
2: long time since we've got to talk this way,
3: hasn't it? Though
2: I mean, because what episode of Monsters Metal is this? Is this, what number?
3: This'll
4: be fifteen.
2: Fifteen, and I think the last time you interviewed me was on discussions. Yeah, the last discussions I interviewed you. Mm-hmm. So it's been probably almost two years.
3: Yeah, we should go back and see what I said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's not (laughs) anyway
3: anyway yeah so so very cool and we will talk to you next month for the intro for the most part
2: that sounds great and uh yeah i will obviously uh hope to see everybody on the road throughout this month like i said you can go to darkmanning.com find out where i'm going to be for may and june so uh hopefully i'll see everybody soon and uh i will talk to you next month good sir talk to you then Bye.
3: We welcome Relapse Records into the fold here on Monsters and Metal, and with our first Relapse Spotlight, we are going to feature The Drip with their new LP, a presentation of Gruesome Poetics, which came out on April 15th. This is Black Screen. up
7: <laughs> up it's the precipice, the ordinary no dead in vain the You'll not in I left no Nothing left to do Just you You'll be in pain Slurping not be in pain You'll the edge It's the precipice, the ordinary So close your eyes. You better run. The end. I'm the guardian. The end of you.
3: and it is time to do another strange kids club presents what's cracklin with Rondal and Dan what's up ronald what up man you just got back from merry old england
4: chip chip cheerio
3: is that is that how they they talked over there
4: <laughs> everybody they everybody exactly the same oh. <laughs> oh.
3: and it's funny because the the movie we're going to talk about tonight we picked before obviously i i don't like know you know you and know where you're going on vacation but (laughs) but you just got back from london and the movie we picked took place in london so that's that's hilarious yeah it was perfect man
4: perfect perfect really set the tone
3: (laughs) which did did you watch the movie after you got back or before you went
4: i watched it while i was there oh my god were you terrified while you were there (laughs) <laughs> Let me just say I didn't go out after dark.
3: Okay, that's that's safe. So uh, the movie that we are talking about this month is Attack the Block. Um, this was on Crackle. I'm not 100 percent sure it's still on Crackle, but when we when we picked it to to be on there, it was it was on Crackle. Just just to verify, if you go to Crackle and it's not there. Uh, but Crackle itself, just to explain, is a free app you can get for basically any device at this point, and you can even go there, go to crackle, I think, dot com on your computer, and you can even watch the movies that way. And it's completely free. And they're full-length movies, you just have to sit through one or two ads every, what, ten? Not ten minutes, That that's completely wrong. Maybe fifteen, twenty minutes, so... That's what it is. So anyway, so we chose Attack yeah. the Block. Some, someone had told me that I had to see this movie, and I was like, hey, that movie's on Crackle. So uh, I, I wanted to check it out. This is directed by uh, Joe Cornish, and I believe, like, studio-wise, it was brought to you by the people who did uh, Shaun of the Dead. And I'm trying to think. Was it Hot Fuzz 2? Or as well, not that there's a Hot Fuzz yeah. 2. Which there yeah, should no, be no, a no, Hot Fuzz 2. <laughs> But uh, so so basically, what um, <laughs> what this, this movie is about is uh, man, it's like if I say something, it's gonna ruin it. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely don't want to ruin it. It'll...
4: Well, you know, it's it it's weird because it's for people that have seen like Shaun of the Dead, you know, that was sort of a, a hybrid film, right? So it was part zombie film, part buddy comedy film. Mm-hmm. And this is a lot like that. This is another sort of hybrid movie that that mashes up like adventure, like, you know, something like the Goonies type adventure with sci fi.
3: Totally. Yeah, That, that that's the, definitely a great way to put it. And it, what's funny is um, I'd even go so far as to say, oh and I just had it. I just had it on the top of my head. It's like uh, maybe like the Warriors meets um, Critters. In a way,
4: yeah, I could get that. Yeah.
3: So, so basically, you have this like teen gang uh, in South London, and uh, an alien comes down, and they defend themselves and, and basically take care of it, and go and show it to this. I, I guess you could just say pot dealer who happens to be Nick Frost from from the uh, all the Shaun of the Dead movies, um, and and basically uh, more aliens show up. And they were, like, the surprise, most amazing thing that took, in my opinion, that that happened in this movie. Not that the movie wasn't great, but the aliens themselves just, oh, jaw-dropping. So amazing. So amazing.
4: It it was impressive, like, how much they did with how little. Like, Mm -hmm. just the look of the aliens is so streamlined and simple, but they're still scary as hell, man.
3: They are absolutely – what I loved about them – is, first of all, one, they're not CGI at all. I, I guess, I don't know, you, you could say they're colored, computer colored for the most part. But they are pitch black, which ends up being a funny joke because um, when, uh, most of the characters are, are black. And he goes, he's blacker than your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, the, so so you have that. You have the, the fact that they're pitch black, but their teeth are neon black light, blue like white with black you know when white black light hits white you know and that's all you see and oh man i know it was done post-production because i had to look it up but oh their design i loved oh i, and couldn't, I couldn't get over that
4: it's scary enough when it's just one of them but like towards the end once you see a whole pack of them mm-hmm. it's like holy shit
3: yeah yeah and uh, so, so just from that standpoint, I I think this movie just like completely like jumps off the charts because it's I hate CGI, I it, I don't just like CGI I hate CGI and especially when they use it for certain things when you could do it in, in to me in a horror movie you have to have a puppet you have to have a costume or you have to have a puppet it goes back to all the great movies from the '80s and the early '90s when Savini was was doing stuff and and all those others I mean it oh. And, that, and this movie had that. It had that.
4: Absolutely. And, I mean, there's actually – there's a lot of, like, sort of throwbacks to, to 80s, you know, like sci-fi films. But it, it's all, like, indirect stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, when the first alien lands, it, it's sort of like like E.T., but they, they take it in a completely different direction.
3: <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's funny because, uh, like – I God, the only easy way to say it is is like Judge Dread. Like if if you're you're not used to that that lifestyle of like this this is this huge apartment complex, you know, and it's drab and it's dreary, which most things that take place in London in any movie are, you know, and and it's just it has this this overarching tone of everything's miserable here. It's like an early Guy Ritchie film. Like train spotting or or something like that. Maybe that's just London. <laughs> I've never been, but <laughs> but no. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think that that definitely adds to it. And you have this great cast. Now here here's the only thing I'm gonna I'm gonna complain about, and it, the way it was described is that these kids have a South London accent, and that's kind of the same thing from uh, Train Spotting, at least. I had a very, very hard time understanding them. That might just be me, but, but I personally had a hard time understanding them.
4: Yeah, I think it took me the better half of the film, maybe like the first 30, 45 minutes to actually get used to the... Because the accents are so thick. And, and Plus they talk in slang. Yeah,
3: a, yeah. yeah. Their, their slang definitely plays into it. But it's, it doesn't it doesn't take away anything from it. I mean, it's, 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 oh, it was such a fantastic film. And I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again. So I might as well just shut up at this point, but, but no. So I'll let you talk about it for a second.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of, one of the, probably the best films that we've watched on crackle so far. And, you know, like I said, with the sort of the throwbacks to the eighties film, eighties films, you know, it's, it's not like a lot of a lot of movies that come out now you know want to say that oh yeah you know we're we're being nostalgic and we're we're tossing it back to the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff and it's more of like t- taking what they did back then and, and regurgitating it you know a lot of reboots a lot of remakes all that kind of crap and and attack the block what, what cornish manages to do which is really impressive is is still, like, draw upon that history of, of those films that came out. You know, like we said, like, E.T. And, and films like that. And make something completely new, you know? It was familiar, but it was new at the same time.
3: Did you know about this movie it's just,
4: it, I did. I had heard about it uh, when it first came out. It was supposedly, like, getting all kinds of critical acclaim, like at some of the festivals and, and whatnot, but I had never seen it before.
3: Okay. I just, I, I yeah, you know, I just wanted to make sure. So neither this, this was the first viewing for both of us, I should say.
4: Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And it was, it was great. I, I I'm probably gonna go back and revisit it again.
3: <laughs> just to try to <laughs> decipher what they say in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I guess I could say this. Um, the characters who definitely deserve to die, <laughs> died. <laughs> Cause a few of those kid, the 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 one kid, um, he was annoying. The, the I think he was the one with the sword for most of the movie. Other than yeah. Moses, Moses had the sword. He he got on my nerves. Um, I didn't think the 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 one kid was gonna the the nerdier one of the group was gonna die. I, I'm completely like spoiling the shit out of this movie at the
4: moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not naming them by name, so it's yeah, it's totally cool. Yeah,
3: but no, uh, so it defi- this is definitely. Um, if I were to rate this out of 10, I, I'd definitely give this one a 10. I, this was absolutely fantastic.
4: Absolutely. Really solid film. And I'm actually excited after I saw this. I tried to find out what else Cornish has done, you know, the director. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't done a lot, but I was excited to see that he's actually the writer for the, the Ant-Man movie that's coming up.
3: Oh, nice. So that's, that should be pretty good. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, it is time to pick a winner from our contest. Are you ready? I am ready to All right, run. We had, this, this is this is record-breaking. People knew this movie. Even, I, I, I get, it's not like I could subtly choose pictures from this one, because you post a picture of a black thing with blue teeth. <laughs> people. People know what it is. But we had 16 entries on this one. Holy crap. So congratulations to everybody for getting it right. But, one through 16, who's going to win this one?
4: There can be only one. Let's say number eight
3: joe atherton
4: hell yeah joe
3: do you know joe
4: i do not all
3: right well joe congratulations on winning and we're gonna put together a little prize pack for you so uh where can everybody go to check out everything strange kids club
4: they can go to strangekidsclub.com. we're also on twitter at strange kids club and we're on facebook of course at strange kids club
3: any big things going on for the month of may
4: Actually, yeah, we're we're ramping up. We finished a, a Kickstarter last month, um, and so in May we're actually going to be releasing the fourth issue of our Strange Kids comics anthology, <laughs> and we're going to be releasing the next series of Circle Jerk stickers, which are basically, I think, mad balls in sticker form.
3: Anybody who's won a Cracklin' contest knows that.
4: These are totally badass, and these are brand <laughs> new, man. <laughs>
3: Very cool. Very cool. Who's in this set?
4: Uh, Let's see. This set is going to be toy-inspired to tie in with the magazine. So we've got Wretch Armgon, We've got Nightmare Bear, My Furry Freak, and Chip the Crip.
3: Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And um, if someone wants to go get these, they go to...
4: They can go to our online shop, which is just going to be at the top right of our website, so strangekidsclub.com, and it's the SKC shop, and everything's straight from there.
3: And let's see, price, because I'm looking right now, is $7. 7
4: bucks, Totally and, worth it.
3: And for that, you get?
4: You get uh, three, uh, I think it's four-by-four-inch stickers. Uh, there's a random bonus sticker, and you get three trading cards, vintage trading cards.
3: Nice. Very yeah. nice. Very cool. All right, Ronald. Well, thank you for doing that. And everybody, uh, just a reminder, we are doing the fan episode now. I know I've probably said this 10 million times on this episode, but we're doing the fan episode now. So not only are we going to choose a movie every month, but on the 15th of every month, we're going to review a movie that you chose from a list of movies that are on Crackle. So go to monstersandmetal.com throughout the month, because each week there's a new thing to vote on for the fan episode. So there's there's definitely that to look forward to. So we will review whatever horrible movie you choose for us out of those six. To so do it. <laughs> and Ronald, thank you as always, and we'll talk to you next month. But before we get out of here, what do you got for us to listen to
4: this week or this month? I've got a uh, No Submission from Static X.
3: Nice choice. Yes, sir. All right, we'll talk to you next month. All right, buddy. Special segment on monsters and metal, and with me is a guy who does the water cooler, and it's the comic book clergyman.
8: Woo! (laughs) The one podcast. Monsters and metal. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been on Monsters and Metal yet, have I?
3: Well, your voice has in in the the water cooler segments, but not officially doing something in particular. Let's put it that way. But no, um, Jeff and I had the honor to uh, listen to not not read, but we both listened to the audio version of Joe Hill's horns. And mm-hmm. we wanted to yep. basically uh do uh do a review of it and and you know give everybody our take. We're we're both big fans of Joe Hill when it comes to came to lock and key. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we wanted to uh once we finally finished listening to this and, and everything, we figured why not? Why not do a review on it and, and what a better place than than here? I mean horns. I mean come on. Monsters of Metal. Right. So, so basically, what we have here is a fantastic little book that is 416 pages. Thank you. What's AM.
8: it that minute? it that long? Wow. <laughs> it, well, it we couldn't it's, tell because it says It, was... <laughs> here's, it says here is 370.
3: Oh, okay. Well, according to whatever. Amazon, it's 416. Oh, okay. But whatever. Whatever. I trust, I
8: trust <laughs> Amazon over. Uh, I over think over it Wichita came TV. in
3: somewhere around what nine, ten hours audio-wise something like that. It was it was they I like the way that they did it too. It was broken down into 15-minute segments. That was yeah. that was definitely nice. Uh but but no, basically uh the, the gist of the book is uh, there's a guy named Ignatius Paris. Uh they call him Ig. He wakes up one day and he's got horns growing out of his head. And uh with with the horns, if people are making kind of direct contact with him, they're telling him what they want to do. They're deep Desire in in what they want to do, you know. His his fat girlfriend's like, I don't want to eat any more donuts, but I really want to eat more donuts and, and stuff like that. And then the night before, she she had done something with with another character, and uh, that obviously was going against him because he was her boyfriend and. You know, she she had to confess to that, and then he goes and uh, he sees uh, a nun and a priest, and they tell him things, and his family tells him things, and a doctor tells him things, and everyone Mm -hmm. he's running into they're they're telling him things, and uh, that I I guess we'll call that like chapter one, and I if Mm -hmm. if if I was basing the book off chapter one, I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. I I it was like everywhere he turned, like I, when he was going to see the priest, I was like, ah, this he'll walk into the into the church and everything will be okay. But nope, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, you know, and 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 I like the like everyone telling him the stuff, like that they they secretly thought deep down. I mean, he he, he lost his his the love of his life, Marin Williams, and basically, you know, he he got blamed for that death because it was a, a rape and murder, and. He was never convicted of it, but he was uh, basically thought to be the guy who did it, and he got away with it. is is kind of what the entire town and his family think. So that's what a lot of people say to him when when they see him and stuff. And you know, like I said, just based off of that, I, I really liked where the book was going. So I'll, I'll consider that chapter one. What do you think?
8: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, it kind of kind of kept going. Like like he he continued to. Try to figure out what is going on. What is going on? And and he really does what any of us would do if we were confronted with that situation. I mean, he goes, you know, to his family. He goes to his priest. He goes to his uh, doctor. I mean, he goes everywhere and and cannot figure out what what what's going on here. And uh, and uh, you know, so it's um, that that first section really does a good job of introducing you to the entirety of kind of the characters and the entirety of his world through the lens of this crazy problem that he has with the horns so um and uh by the by the confessions that that people give to him because of the horns um it just it it fleshes out those characters really really nicely in the beginning so i i thought that was great
3: yeah and it it does that great job of foreshadowing too that that yeah that that leads into it. Uh, so then you basically enter chapter two of the book, which is uh, basically the, the build of who all, who the main characters are. You have Ig, you have his brother Terry, and then you get into the horrible, horrible eternal. <laughs>
8: Oh, the evil, evil <laughs> Leetor no. Jeff,
3: Jeff and I would text each other and just say, I hate Leetor no. One when we get to certain, <laughs> certain sections of, you know, when you'd be on a certain chapter or something. And it would... But you know
8: they they do a good job of I mean some of the best uh, protagonist antagonist relationships are begin as fr- they begin as friends and then it it kind of spins out of control and and then they become you know bitter enemies and that's really what happens here and and uh, you know Lee is kind of tortured and at first I didn't realize that he was going to be kind of the main bad guy in the book and um in the, the the second kind of section of the book uh, is really a flashback that talks about their you know they're in they're in high school and how they all how them, all the main characters kind of meet and and uh how they're kind of intertwined and how ig you know meets Marin and how they end up falling in love and how he meets lee and how lee uh, supposedly saves his life and and how he feels you know indebted to him and all this stuff and uh and it it's uh and then there's kind of this uh, uh, this incident with a cherry bomb that kind of uh, kind of turns Lee Tourneau, uh a little bit. It start you start to see the 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 beginnings of of his turn, uh, which is which is really cool. So yeah, that was good.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, it, and, and then it all centers. There, there's a few things that the book centers around. It they. Um, when they're older, they center. It centers around the horns for obvious reasons, and it also centers around this this I don't know magical necklace.
6: You yeah, know, this, yeah.
3: This cross necklace that belonged to Marin that the boys in not in like a uh, like a physical way fought over, but it was more of like a mental struggle between the two of them as to who would have the cross. You know what I mean? Right. It, you know it's in. And you know it was it was always Ig's idea to have it so he could give it to Marin and she could fall in love with him and and whatnot. So so then you jump back into I guess like, what would be like the third chapter, um, or I don't know the third act I guess is a better way to say it. Where now you're back in the future and he he goes and he's like I'm gonna make that that bastard because his brother his brother if I remember right his brother was the one who admitted that he was there. When yeah. when something happened to Marin, but he didn't know exactly what happened to Marin. He just knew that it was uh, it was Lee that killed her, and mm-hmm. so so now Ig he's mad and he's like, I'm gonna go and and I'm gonna basically you know get to the bottom of this and make him pay for it. Well, you know, th- when they're kids, it's it's Ig who's the guy who's leading the Christian summer camps and. You know, he's mm-hmm. the one that's very religious and 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 whatnot. Well, you turn the tables to when they're adults, and now because of the death of Marin, it's Ig who's kind of the, the bad seed, if you will, and he's kind of given up on everything. And it's uh, Lee who's working for a congressman. Uh, uh, right. where, where were they at? They were in Massachusetts, I think. Uh, or Delaware. Ooh. One of one of the. Yeah. Two. Some, yeah. And and basically uh and and he's like the the basically like the christian um new hampshire new New hampshire Hampshire. he's he's like the christian liaison for the congressman he he tells him how to do his speeches and stuff like that for for the most part and you know so he goes to see him and and all this real crazy stuff happens because of the horns you know he doesn't show up on the monitors and he makes the x-ray machine go crazy but when lee comes out lee's not affected by the horns lee goes after
6: him Right. You know,
3: and, and and that had you questioning, but then once again, that all comes back to to the necklace,
8: right? Right. Um. Yeah. And and um. So yeah, yeah. It's it. And what's really good in terms of the storytelling is how Joe Hill kind of goes back and forth in these in these into these time periods, and so it really, the, the the bulk of the book. I mean, it 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 it, it talks. It, 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 it's centered on the present, which is where he has the horns. But then the the big sections of the book have you know, talk about the past when they were were kids. But then also around the time when when Marin died. And um, and uh, so I guess the next big section was uh, where he finds out all of that stuff, and then he ends up. Um, uh, he ends up. This is the one part that I thought was a little weird and. I just, I don't know. Maybe I just missed something. I don't know. But, um, I broke. uh, (laughs) Was the, was the, was when he, the snakes all come around him and he can, he finds out he can light himself on fire and, and, and and heal himself through fire. And then he gives like this long sermon, uh, to the snakes and, and talking about, um, I mean, I thought it was an, I thought it was interesting. Um, it was basically kind of, uh, turning the idea of of Satan or the devil as and kind of recasting that character in myth and and the Bible as kind of uh, someone who was kind of an anti-hero instead of the kind of the villain that he's been cast. And I thought it was an interesting perspective, but I thought in terms of I, I like the I like thinking of the well. This may be strange for me to be saying this, but I like that idea of kind of turning that concept on its head uh but i thought that the sermon and the snake thing i thought in my head as i was listening to this and kind of picturing it in my mind it just kind of was it kind of felt goofy like i was trying to imagine this guy like just standing in the woods wearing a blue dress and like (laughs) and being like and you know he's standing there and he's you talking to a bunch of snakes i just thought that was a little goofy but uh no, I, you know.
3: I I can see see your point, but I mean, in in honesty, he had taken himself away from society, and because he knew the horns were, you know, doing things, and he also did get a few powers. He could uh, speak in in tongues, so he could uh, use people's voices to do things, and he also had the ability but, if he he touched somebody, he could see things. That's how he ended up knowing about his brother and. Uh, what happened with his brother that night that, that Marin died and, and everything the, where I got lost wasn't on the, the first go round of the tree house. It was uh-huh. on the second go round of the tree house, you know, right. when, when he was the guy pounding on the door and, and, and whatnot. And, and that kind of played into, yeah. into the, the ending. Like, I, I guess just overall, on the book I I did enjoy it um just to give props to the guy who did the narration on the audio version I thought he did a fantastic job I will yeah. say that um
8: yeah I've only I've only I've only listened to like two or three audiobooks in my life and that guy has read two of them Oh really? And uh <laughs> yeah he did he did the first he did the first Walking Dead novel and I listened to that the the Rise of the Governor and so it's it's it just funny like he's now the voice of audiobooks <laughs> for me
4: that's funny,
3: uh, yeah. But no, but uh, I thought he did a fantastic job, um, and you know, like I said, I think everything like really built up to to this really great ending. But I didn't get the ending I wanted. I'm not. What did you want to happen? I wanted Ig to lose the horns and uh-huh. go on his merry way. Not continue. I guess yeah. I'll I'll spoil the ending. I don't know. I well, I'm not going to spoil the ending. But uh, I I didn't like the way that it went. Uh I was happy that, that Terry survived. Yeah. Um and then all the other characters I mean, and I I the way that that played out with uh Terry and Glenda. You know. Yeah, like, I, like end, I, I, I like I that. I I liked that. But I, again, I w- would have preferred some kind of uh you know, if it was, what was it? Only like two or three days that the whole thing took place, in, like in the yeah. present. You know, I would have, I, I would have been much happier if if Ig had somehow, like, uh, like say it was like a demon that was in him that had to be you know, cast out for the most part. He and he right. was able to figure out everything. He was able to, like, the crow almost. You know, he was yeah, able to yeah. get that revenge, and then he wakes up and and he feels good and, and life is good again. You know? Yeah,
8: yeah, you wanted a happier ending, and uh, you know, and and while I I do think in its own way it did have a happy ending, um, because you know uh, of I, I won't spoil it either, but but of kind of how how it ends and but the, the there was a real existential kind of thing that level of this and that that's typical of Joe Hill's work is that you know there's things that are going on in the real world and then there are some kind of strange kind of supernatural things that are going on as well and the whole treehouse idea was really uh bizarre because it started as this really kind of cute summer love kind of these two kids you know uh being together kind of thing and it kind of turned into this more uh supernatural thing, and, and the whole time I was kind of thinking, I wonder how they're going to explain the horns. How are they going to explain the horns? And, um, I actually, uh, I, at first when I heard it, I thought, uh, I don't know, that, uh, I really, I don't know, I, I thought it was a little bit, um, uh, a little bit shallow in terms of the explanation but then the more i really thought about it and the more that really the whole thing really happened because of their relationship the the relationship between ig and and marin and and uh and their conflicted relationship as well and um you know i really i really thought that was cool and um so while it didn't kind of end on a on a necessarily happy note um i mean it kind of did i guess uh it, I think if it had ended the way you said, it would have been a little too neat.
4: Sure, sure.
8: You know? Well, yeah, um, I suppose. Yeah, and the other thing that I, I really liked about this is – I mean I like books that have supernatural elements but have religious themes in them, and, um, and Joe Hill really does a good job of of kind of um, – I mean he, he takes something as kind of – taboo in the Christian world as Satan and the concept of the devil and evil and those kind of things and kind of uses that to to do not really it's not like heavy headed commentary on the church but it really I think it really is more of a commentary on morality and the way that people the way that people uh, basically lie to themselves like the whole the whole thing about the confessions and how how the horns allow those confessions to kind of come out. I mean, it just tells, I think it tells a lot about, I think he's making a comment about how people are, uh, how people hide things, how people don't tell each other the truth, um, how people really feel in the midst of, a you know, a horrible disaster, like a murder, a rape murder, you know, kind of thing. Um, and I thought it was an interesting way to bring that out. Um, so um and and it wasn't like there w- you know I was really hoping that there wasn't going to be some kind of like okay and he he's got the horns now somebody else is going to grow some wings and now it's going to be like the <laughs> battle between good and evil and I I was really glad that they didn't that they really stuck with the horns and the and that and that there was no uh there was not really a counterpart to uh I mean, in the end, Ig really is the is the good guy. Um, even though he's kind of cast in this in this in this light right. with the horns right. and being the you know uh, being accused of this horrible crime and all that kind of stuff, um, he ends up being the good guy. And, and uh, I, I really I really thought that was cool. All
3: so. right, well, before we rate it real quick, I want to yeah. get your idea or what you think about the movie that's going to come out starring Daniel Radcliffe. Now okay, that, so now I, that yeah. you've heard the, now that you've now that you've done the book, what what are uh, your just initial thoughts on this?
8: I I'm not, I have no high hopes for this. Okay, me I either. I,
3: just,
8: <laughs> I I don't see how this could. Tra- I I mean, I can see how it translates, but when you start getting into the whole treehouse thing, I just think it's going to take it to a level, and and they better not have Daniel Radcliffe give that sermon to the snakes because that's. Um, I I didn't know that they had, after I read the book. I, I found online that they uh were making that they had already made the movie and so uh but that it's not yet released and whatever. And and the fact that it's not already released kinda says to me that uh this is not gonna be good. Because like, if it was awesome, they would have already it would have already it would already be out. Maybe
3: they're waiting uh-huh. for the CGI to be good enough to do the snake sermon. <laughs>
8: I don't know, but Wait, just yeah. Use I, some
3: of that footage from Snakes on a Plane. We'll be good.
8: <laughs> gosh, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, that that part, I'm not, I'm not too excited about. That,
3: I was so. the entire time I was listening to it. I was thinking the same thing that I can't see it translating into a movie, um, but I was thinking I could see it translating into a uh, a a mini series on TV.
1: Uh huh. More yeah. like
3: when. Not so when much it, like when they did it, yeah. It, it or uh, when they redid the the Shining in the nineties. Yeah. I think right. You know, something something like that. I could see that better than than I could see the the movie. So um, all right, well, I guess typical of the water cooler. Uh, what are you gonna give? Horns out of ten.
8: Uh, I'll give horns. I will give it. I'll give it an eight point five.
3: I probably end up somewhere around eight. As well, yeah. You know, it was it was good. So now Jeff and I are going to debate if we're going to do heart shape box or Nosferatu. But I think next on my list is The Strain because the TV show is coming soon. Oh, oh, (laughs) more vampire stuff. I do have to
8: say, I do have to say. I I I was listening to this as I bought I, I bought a new truck, and so um like this listening to this to horns like is always going to remind me of buying that truck and like listening to it in the truck. <laughs> like as I was driving around and all this stuff. Like it's gonna it's it there is like a serious connection between the truck and the horn. So
3: <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Well Jeff thanks yeah. thanks for uh one listening to the book and, and reviewing no it with us. And uh hopefully we'll have you back on Monsters of Metal soon.
8: I hope so. Thanks.
3: Our first Metal Blade spotlight this month comes to us from Portrait with their new album Crossroads, which came out on April 29th. This is in time. <laughs> Doug and Doug is ready to talk to us about everything we love to hate or he hates everything we love. I, I don't oh, for, I don't even oh, remember the names. Me. What are the names you of the segments give, at you, this point? God. You don't even give a shit anymore. I gotta stop drinking before we start. That's that's the problem.
5: You didn't even try to say my last name. Oh, let's crap out ten more minutes with Doug.
3: <laughs> <over> with. <laughs> it's Doug Vascavich with I hate everything you love. <laughs> What's going on, Doug?
5: What's going on, Dan? Is I'm going to be—I uh, will have written three minutes for uh, a basic cable cartoon. Possibly by the time this comes out, I'm, I'm going to start demanding some respect around here.
3: You should. Do you want to be moved up to the front of the show? No. No. You like. You like. No. Okay. I don't. I don't right. care. Well, this comes out May first, so. Hey, well, I don't know. Probably not then. Okay. Probably still be somebody telling you he's going to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about
5: but you, but, but you should all be watching. I'm going to sit on plug, plug time, trip tank, watch it, and then go on, on their little website and tell them you love it.
3: <laughs> and no, so and there's, there's no bullshit because you can watch it on Hulu, too. You don't have to have Comedy Central. You can watch it on Hulu.
5: Sure, whatever. I don't
3: care. So I'm, just, just, I'm
5: just pointing it out. Make, make sure... Make sure Comedy Central knows that you love it so it gets renewed for another season so i got a chance at more checks. Okay?
3: All right. Fine. So what do you want to talk about this this month? What's exciting? What's happening?
5: I actually went to uh, a heavy metal concert, I think. Oh, yeah? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what anything's classified of. It was loud and there was lots of guitars, so...
3: So, the, all right, that's, that qualifies. I mean, a right, country concert could be loud with guitars.
5: That's true. That's true. Uh, my my friend is in a band called Lakjaw, which is a great band, and you should all download all their stuff. And he needed somebody to run his merch booth. So, I'm double important. I know I know band people, and I'm going to be on basic cable. So. I think my segment should just be extended. You to get rid of
3: everyone else. We could do and that. Contrib- we could do that, I but that, that would just be more like your podcast. Well, except you'd be there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I I've was on a couple of your episodes. That's true. You're
5: the only one to contribute to this show, anyhow. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I ran a merch booth, and I... I saw them. Or I saw some band called the Bunny and the Bear. I don't know who the dirt band was and then mindless self-indulgence. so I don't know if any of that classifies as metal or not.
3: I think they 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 fall under uh more like a circusy metal. I don't know
5: they they were very uh they're were all right. I don't know. I was kind of done with the whole thing by then because I'd done this since five o'clock, you know. I was kind of ready for the the headliner to do a couple songs and get the fuck out of there so I could go home. <laughs> okay, I get it. We're all young and angry. Let's uh, move this along.
3: So you didn't get in the mosh pit?
5: No, I ran the booth, man.
3: Yeah, well, come
5: on. You I don't even think that I don't think there are mosh pits
3: anymore because
5: everybody's got their cell phones up. Oh. When did, that, when did that start? When did it start that everybody watches? Bands through their cell phones and like record the sound is shit anyhow and you're not going to see it it's like trying to record a sunset or something with your cell phone forget it put the <laughs> fucking thing away <laughs> there weren't anyone else I still like an old man here but when I was uh, when I was watching bands you, were, you wouldn't hold up anything of value <laughs> Somebody would smash it, or kick it, or steal it, or you'd get knocked over. And you'd have beer
3: spilled on
5: it. How about your cell phones now? Your I mean, smartphones are like four or five hundred bucks.
3: Yeah, the, right? the, the most expensive thing you'd hold up would be a Zippo lighter compared to a Bic lighter. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't even hold up your Zippo because
5: they would get knocked out of your hand. <laughs> whole, would you just take four hundred dollars and hold that up in the air? No, of course not. There's a $400 camera just holding it right
3: up. Ooh, look at me. I'm at a, at a show. But you are 100% what? correct. People people now no longer like do anything other than watch the show on their camera to make sure they are recording it correctly.
5: Yes, yeah, so everybody knows where they are. Look where I am. Right. Yeah, well, obviously you don't, give, you don't give a fuck where you are because you're looking at it through a camera phone, so why should I? <laughs> Why your young, why are all the young punks out there. Start stealing these phones or knocking people over. Because this is real, really, it's better than if they held four hundred bucks up and you snatched it. Because their camera phone has God knows what on it. They're here recording the camera. You, you bet there's sex hacks on there you can look at. <laughs> close to the fucking uh, internet.
3: Pictures of their dork or God knows what. No, you could. You, that there you go. You <laughs> could double your money. You can sell the yeah. phone after you've sold some site the porn that's on it. Sell the, the porn that's on it, and then ransom the phone. After <laughs> you, you make
5: a bunch of calls to Guam. And well, like hold on, matter. also
3: also you have to make sure that you, that you send said sex photos to every person on the phone. <laughs> yeah,
5: exactly. And then, and then dial up a bunch of kitty porn sites and get them in trouble. <laughs> Teach them a real lesson. Holding that phone. Dude, what the hell is the matter with people? It's, 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 whatever, stupid kid. Did you sell it? Working that merch booth, man. If I see one more pewter ring with a skull on it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kill the guy wearing it.
4: Is that because you were
3: selling pewter rings, or because the people coming over to the tent had the pewter rings?
4: No, it was all, it was all
5: black fingernails and pewter rings. (laughs) You know, I don't know, whatever, I guess. I guess nothing's cool after you've seen it for five hours in a row, right? You know, i listen to Milano's crotches in front of me for five hours. I'd be like, get it out of here. and try to watch a ball game. <laughs> and not for ready with your crotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little man on the boat. That's adorable. Get, get the fuck out of here. It's the ninth inning.
3: <laughs> oh, Christ.
5: Oh, so, yeah, so that was... Uh,
3: Friday, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
5: relating to everybody who listens to this podcast. Look, I know music stuff. I watch music. I was, was
3: there. Was tour with them, or were they uh, a local opening group? They were a local opening group. I think the Bunny and the Bear was. I don't know. Oh, I, you I poor, poor soul! If you had to see that, the Bunny and the Bear. You know who they are? I know. Yeah, I know who that is. I know who mindless self indulgence is too, but bunny and the bear—whew, that's a tough one. Is that bad? Well, that doesn't. One of them come out with a bear mask, and the other one wearing a bunny mask.
5: <laughs> I guess I don't. Know. I couldn't really see. Oh, well, I could okay. The I can see part of the drummer. <laughs> 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 the extent of what I saw of all this music—part <laughs> of the drummer and an amp.
3: Were you at the, like the rave? Where was on. it at? Was it at the the rave?
5: Yeah, I was at the rave. So I was in one of the little hollowed out duggets dugouts where they sell hot dogs or something, gotcha. I guess. I, I gotcha. don't know. That so was bad news. And I got no cell phone activity either, so I had to just sit there.
3: Oh, that made it even worse. <laughs> it's just, it's just,
5: I couldn't even Facebook about how much I hated people's cell phones because my cell phone didn't work.
3: Did they, Were they at least nice enough to let you take some of your shirts and merch and, and try to move that?
5: No, I didn't even ask it. Oh. You know, it's their thing. not my thing. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would,
3: that. Well, I don't know. You could carry their shit around sometimes to a show or something.
5: Well, yeah, that's it. That's the thing. If I did that for them, they'd want me to do
3: that. True, you know. true, true. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> if they did that for me, they'd expect me to sell their
5: stuff in my boot on that ain't it. No, it's every man for himself.
3: Hey, let's talk about this new movie that's coming out called Draft Day. What do you think of these previews, huh? What? Have you not seen the previews for the movie Draft Day? The the no. NFL Draft Day. All right, here's the, here's the plot. You ready? Kevin Costner yes. is the GM, okay. and he's an old school GM. He don't care what his scouts have to say. He's gonna do it. <laughs> he's gonna play. He's gonna play it by the hip, and he's gonna get what he wants because he knows talent. Well, Jennifer Garner some works somewhere in the organization, and it's draft day. But what team? What team? Out of all thirty two teams, do you think they work for? Oh. Now, we want, now, keep in mind, we want mass market appeal so everyone in the nation goes and sees this horrible movie. Cleveland Browns? Cleveland Browns, that is correct. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> wow. No, I'm right? Yes.
5: Yes, you are correct. trying to think of the worst. this worst, the team doesn't even have a logo. It's just an orange helmet. <laughs> Oh. Good grief. Well, that's just, you know, that's really argumentates life. Remember, it used to be the young whippersnapper was, was coming out, and he's doing, he's shooting from the hip, and he's not going to play by the rules anymore. <laughs> now it's the old man who's tired of all these new rules. Ah, fuck you kids and your computer software. I'm just going to go look at these kids play. I don't care that's how. That's it's like. I mean, that's like the beginning of this podcast. Ah, stupid kids and the way they do things. I ah, do things different. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the writers are all are all old, and they hate kids. They hate all this new stuff. They're, they're writing that. You know, they're using that template. I can't sit here and bitch about this sixteen about this twenty-six year old producer, but I can write a story <laughs> it's thinly veiled where this old guy who knows what he's doing is trying to help these young fools accomplish something.
3: Oh. <laughs> uh. That, it that movie sounds like a winner, though, doesn't it? Right off the bat. Mm. Just, mm. Let me the watch Triumph
5: one. and Glory of the Cleveland Browns.
3: With Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner.
5: It's Jennifer Garner, uh, I'm sure she plays an uptight uh, businesswoman who goes full bore all the time, works 60 hours a week,
3: right? She plays, I don't know, she probably plays some sassy executive within the organization who just... yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So basically yeah. Everything she's always done, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Sure but they will secret work. they're secretly in love somehow. And after after they make their first round draft choice, that's when they get it on in the back of Radio City Music Hall. I'll <laughs> do the Cleveland Browns victory song. Well, I don't know. I was getting a shittier end of that
5: deal. I'm sure her <laughs> vagina has a six pack. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just skin and bones. Oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. That's like a Viagra commercial. Are they going to sit in, like, in a porcelain tubs and look over the ocean? Like Maybe. the people in the Viagra okay. commercial do.
3: You sure that's not the Corona commercial? <laughs> <laughs> no, because they're in porcelain <laughs> bathtub. <laughs> like, it's some weird old man wet dream or something. Watch
5: for it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's two too people, like, in their mid to late 50s and they're in porcelain bath tubs.
3: That just or, mimics, or, no, that just, that. it just mimics their, their bedroom situation with the two oh, separate it, beds. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't want a pill that's going to give me an erection when I'm sitting in a porcelain bath tub in public. <laughs> I don't want a pill that has me so oversexed that hard porcelain gives me an erection. That's not a good idea. Every time, every time I have a urinal, I have a boner. Oh, porcelain. Every time, I don't know every time I see white porcelain I'm just, I, can't, I don't know what comes over
3: I remember this one time
5: I, guess, I just got, I gotta find some leathery woman with gray hair and just have at it you
3: know oh crazy anything else you want to talk about before we call it? I
5: don't know I, I guess that, that's the bunny and the bear is they're, I don't know. They seem nice. No, the guy seemed nice. I talked to him briefly. The lady running his boots was a kind of a bitch. Well,
3: she's a superstar. Superstar mentality.
5: Yeah, I guess. I mean, like we're just laying out T-shirts. Lady, who gives a fuck? You know. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like having a passive aggressive <laughs> argument about who has more space on a six foot table. Put T-shirts on.
3: If only it were a comic show. Afterwards, you could have done your box trick. Like, oh, man, I didn't sell much. Just throw all your boxes into the aisle.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was in the holster. Anyway, look, bitch, until the main event gets here, the most fuckingest person in here is me. Now move your shit. <laughs> you don't even know who you're fucking talking to. we got more fans than everyone in here right now. Now shut
3: up and move your T-shirt. Oh, goodness. Well, where can where can new new fans go to check you out and everything that you do
5: go to com. that's where you can find me and watch and uh go ahead watch the trip tank on Comedy central and then, and don't just I guess you know, i guess they figure out if you're watching or not right some sort of rating shit
3: thing. you know what let's do a contest. Because that works out so good We can't even get these people to ask me a question No, 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 the contests actually do work out We're gonna, uh Obviously you've never on this show Actually said what your skit is about So if people can actually tell You know, guess which skit it is And they get it right We should give them something Yep I'll be in charge of the prizes, don't worry (laughs) Because I don't have anything to give out all right. We'll watch for that contest. We'll we'll get it all up and uh, going on the Facebook page and and whatnot, and explain how to enter. But yeah. So Doug, as always, thank you so much. And uh, oh, yeah I was gonna say, hopefully you all came and and hung out with us at C two E two. But yeah. If you didn't, that's your problem. But yeah. Well, it's, too, it's too late to plug that, right? Yeah. C2E2. It's way too late to plug that. So if you missed out, it's your your own damn fault. Yeah. But
5: apparently... There's a little thing on the, the internet you can go on and find out where to see
3: me <laughs>
5: and be treated rudely.
3: <laughs> or send your kids over to go through all his books.
5: <laughs> Dude, what the fuck, man? I mean, that, that's the other thing. Like, the past, I don't know, four or five conventions, it's just been like five and six-year-old kids coming and, like, hanging out and telling me stories and stuff. Like, I just... I don't care, at guess, except I can't sell them anything. They shouldn't be reading my book. So I got, you know, I got like a five-year-old telling me mean stuff he did to his little brother and laughing, and, and, but, which is fine, but at the same time, I'm like putting my hand over parts of the book so he can't see it and I don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, I shit, I shit you not, I, I got like half a blurry picture as proof. I'm at the Mindless Self-Indulgence concert. There's a 10-year-old kid hanging out at the booth chatting me out. <laughs> I don't even know you got in there. He was telling me about gym class or something. So what the fuck? <laughs> what am I, I? I'm Mr. Rogers now? All these kids come around. <sighs> <laughs> I kick it <get> over that.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. I got to pick pictures of me with these kids
5: and you, people realize how absurd it is that a parent is letting their kid hang out with me. Oh, There's a kid funny. even saw, saw me and came over and said, hey, this guy, I'm going to tell him about my day. <laughs> they're not just asking about the book. They're like coming up like we're buddies at recess. <laughs> the other day, I was, my little brother was trying to sleep. <laughs> they didn't a funny story, kid, but what the hell are you doing here? You know?
3: All right, Well, we come back next month, we're going to find out everything that happened to Doug at C-282 with the children. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I won't be in jail. Oh, goodness. (laughs) All right, Doug, I will talk to you next month.
5: You have a great month, Dan, or I'll see you in a week or two.
3: Yeah, either or. Our second Century Media Spotlight this month comes to us from Yosmal with their new album, Cursed Redeemer, coming out on May 13th. This is Until the Last.
0: It's the ball for the eye of Hidden From the sun's burning The blood freezes with your I'm sleeping Thursdays We'll the life.
3: No, basically it's the after C2E2 and we knew it was going to be a mess so we didn't even bother trying to have him come on for the for the monthly recap. Plus he probably would have just told you about, you know, his pick of the month being Tales of Mystery or something. So we saved you that. The hassle of hearing hearing that again. Ah, oh, I'm kidding. It's an awesome book, and it's definitely something you need to check out. But as always, our monthly recap is brought to us by the Gasly Awards. If you don't know what the Gasly Awards are, they are a yearly award that is industry-based. Basically, if you are out there and you are listening to this and you work on a horror comic, and it came out in 2014, go to com and submit it. That way it can be considered for the 2014 Gasly Awards. Basically, think of like the Eisners, except for the fact that it's specifically for horror. So basically, you'll submit a book, uh, the judges will read the book, and they'll choose their nominees, and then creators will vote on who ends up being the winner. So definitely, if you're have if you working on a horror comic that has come out in 2014, you need to go to com and submit that. So this month, the Guestly Award judges want you to take a look at these books, and Belinda... Or space, as she likes to be called She thinks that you need to take a look at Nosferatu Wars Uh, Steve Baines says you need to take a look at Creepy 16 And the funny thing about Creepy 16 is it contains stuff from someone who contributes here on the show And that is a story by our own Rachel Deering that you can check out Mike wants you to check out Haunted Horror number 10 This is always a fantastic series of uh, reprints that you're, you're probably, honestly, never going to have the originals in your collection. So why don't you just pay the nice $4 and, you know, get get them to keep and, in your stashes for the most part. And pray one day you'll be rich and, and get those books that hopefully aren't completely destroyed at this point. Lonnie thinks you should take a look at the Simon and Kirby library. The horror edition and I, I have a copy of that I haven't had a chance to take a look at it yet so um, definitely looking forward to that I believe that came out from Titan I believe I could totally be wrong but something definitely to uh, check out because well basically it's Simon and Kirby and everyone knows in comics that those are the godfathers for the most part Bree says you need to take a look at the seventh sword I still haven't heard of this one so I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out and I highly suggest that you take a look at Avatar Press's Caliban Number One. Basically, if you're if you're someone who likes the sci-fi horror, like Alien or um, Event Horizon, or uh, I think the other one that was Pandorum, that was kind of along those lines. Definitely a, a book to check out. It's written by Garth Ennis, and it's it was just absolutely fantastic. Something that I think everyone out there needs to check out. It just in terms of horror, even if, you know, that's not your thing, I think just horror wise, it's definitely out there and and working in your favor for sure. Uh, But that's really kind of going to do it for this month. Uh, As always, we get to our big thank you segment. (laughs) And basically, uh, we always thank iTunes and uh, TuneIn Radio for sharing the podcast. As well as ComicRelated.com, ComicAttack.net, UndergroundVideoNetwork.com, DecapitatedDan.com. Hey, that's me! So that's always fun that I share it. I thank all the guests who were always a part of the show, like Ob. We definitely thank him for coming on. Dave Elliott, uh, Dirk, for being our interview this month. I thank my buddy Jeff from Tales from the Water Cooler for taking that road down uh, horns with me. And getting the chance to finally review that. I know that was a ways in the making for that, for sure. I thank Rondell for coming on with the Strange Kids Club. Uh, Doug for doing everything he does to make you hate him, even though he's hes a big softie. We all know that, for sure. And, of course, the Ghastly Awards. I also thank all the record labels who are a part of the show. With Century Media... Metal Blade and now Relapse so hopefully Relapse will stick around and, and give us some to uh, check out every month. As always I remind you that you can go to MonstersAndMetal.com and you can keep track of everything that we do watch us on our Facebook page which is just Monsters of Metal. We're also now on Twitter at Monsters of Metal. just all nice and simple. I make it as easy as possible for you uh, Don't forget that we now have the fan episode which is what you will vote on to basically tell us what to do So, the episode you're listening to now is the one that always comes out on the first of the month, but on the 15th of every month is when that fan episode comes out. And basically, I'm going to do a top ten countdown on the top ten tracks that you wanted to hear, and we're going to review the top six comics that you wanted us to do with special, very special guests uh, or co-hosts, I suppose I could say on that. And then, of course, Ronald will join me to review the movie that you chose for us to review so hopefully you pick something good because i hate watching crap uh, and that's gonna really do it for this month uh we're gonna get you out of here on a fantastic new song but before we do that um i uh am kind of taking over for eric for a few months with the massive fantastic.com presents and this time i chose a story uh from the program Sleep No More and it is called 3 o'clock so I definitely hope that you enjoy the hell out of that and enjoy the living hell out of that Sepulterra song that plays after that but my pick of the month is another Metal Blade Spotlight. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for New Whitechapel It actually hasn't been that long. I'm just being an ass. (laughs) The new Whitechapel CD, Endless War, came out on April 29th, and this is just one fucking badass track that is on that. This is The Saw is the Law. So enjoy this, enjoy the radio drama, and as always, keep them horns up and support good horror. (laughs)
0: No way up! I can't get my attention right, and it's a message to sign. Go if I want with the family. Once decisions have become a control. And we will swallow this round.
9: the lights, sink back in your chair, and don't look into the shadows. In the shadows, there may be moving things. Tonight, it may be, you will sleep no more.
10: Good evening. This is Ben Grauer, introducing tonight's Tale of Terror told by Nelson Olmstead on the National Broadcasting Company's presentation of Sleep No More. The story of terror can be as simple as a sheeted ghost rattling chains. It can be a complex and hidden world of horror, lurking in such unholy dimensions as only the dead and the moon struck and glimpse. Or it can be those terrible, fathomless shadows, which lie buried deep in the primitive mind of civilized man. And for this evening, well, Nelson Olmstead, tell us about this evening's story.
9: Well, Ben, it's called Three O'Clock, and it's a masterly chiller by William Irish. When a man is jealous, and when that same man has
10: long had the urge to kill, well, well, then you have Three O'Clock by William Irish, is that it? That's it, Ben. So, Nelson Olmstead, tell us about this man.
9: had signed her own death warrant. He kept telling himself over and over that he wasn't to blame. She'd brought it on herself. He had never seen the man, but he knew there was one. He had known for six weeks now. One day he came home, and there was a cigar butt in an ashtray, still moist at one end, still warm at the other. His wife was too often flustered when he came home, hardly seemed to know what she was doing or saying at all. He pretended not to see any of these things. He was that type of man, Staff was. He didn't bring his hates or grudges out into the open where they had a chance to heal. He nursed them in the darkness of his mind. That's a dangerous kind of man. If he'd been honest with himself, he would have had to admit that this mysterious afternoon caller was just the excuse he gave himself, that he daydreamed of getting rid of his wife long before there was any reason to, that there had been something in him for years past now urging, kill, kill kill, maybe ever since that time he'd been treated at the hospital for a concussion. He didn't have any of the usual excuses. She had no money of her own. He hadn't insured her. He stood to gain nothing by getting rid of her. She didn't nag and quarrel with him. She was a docile, tractable sort of wife. But this thing in his brain kept whispering,
10: kill, kill,
9: kill. So, every afternoon, for six weeks now, when he came home from his shop, he had brought little things with him. Very little things that were so harmless, so inoffensive in themselves, that no one, even if they seen them, could have guessed. Fine little strands of copper wire, such as he sometimes used in his watch repairing. And each time, a very little package containing a substance that, well, an explosives expert might have recognized, but no one else. Loose like that, it couldn't hurt you. But wadded tightly into cells in what had formerly been a soapbox down in the basement compressed to within an inch of its life the way he had it, the whole accumulated 36 days' worth of it, that would be a different story. They'd never know. There wouldn't be enough left of the flimsy house for them to go by. Sewer gas explosion, they'd think, or a pocket of natural gas in the ground somewhere around under them. He'd be in his shop, tinkering with his watch parts, and the phone would ring. Mr. Stapp, Mr. Stapp, your house has just been demolished by a blast. (laughs) The last little package had been brought in two days ago. The box had all it could hold now, twice as much as was necessary to blow up the house. The box was set, the wires were in place, the batteries that would give off the necessary spark were attached. All that was necessary now was to hook up the clock, and then, today was the day. At 12.30 sharp, he wrapped up the alarm clock he'd been working on, tucked it under his arm, and left the shop. He took the bus, got off at his usual stop, walked three interminable suburban blocks to his house, and let himself in. She wasn't home, of course, as he knew. She was out marketing, as usual. He went directly to the door leading to the basement. He passed through it, closed it behind him, and went down the bare wooden steps to the basement floor. She hadn't even known that he'd come down here each night for a few minutes while she was in the kitchen doing the dishes. By the time she got through... He was upstairs again behind his newspaper. It didn't take long to add the contents of each successive little package to what was already in the box. The wiring had taken more time, but he'd gotten that done one night when she'd gone out to the movies, or so she'd said. The little box, that was no longer merely a box now, but an infernal machine, was standing over against the wall to one side of the oil burner. He was proud of it, prouder than of any fine watch he'd ever repaired or reconstructed. He unwrapped the clock and spread out the few necessary small implements he'd brought with him from the shop. Two fine copper wires were sticking stiffly out of a small hole he'd bored in the box in readiness, like the antenna of some kind of insect. Through them, death would go in. He wound the clock up first, for he couldn't safely do that once it was connected. He wound it up to within an inch of its life. He set the alarm for three, but there was a difference now. Instead of just setting off a harmless bell when the hour hand reached three and the minute hand reached twelve, the wires attached to it, leading to the batteries, would set off a spark. A single, tiny, evanescent spark. That was all. He wondered why more people didn't do things like this. They didn't know what they were missing. Probably not clever enough to be able to make the things themselves, that was why. He set the clock itself by his own pocket watch, 115. Then he carefully guided the antenna-like wires leading from the box through a hole previously bored in the back of the clock and fastened them to the necessary parts of the mechanism. It was highly dangerous, but his hands didn't play him false. And when he'd done with it, it stood there on the floor as if placed there at random up against an innocent-looking copper-lidded soapbox ticking away. Ten minutes had gone by since he'd come down here. One hour and 40 minutes were still to go by. Death was on the wing. He smiled a little and went on up the stairs, not furtively or fearfully, but like a man does in his own house, with an unhurried air of ownership, head up, shoulders back, tread firm. As he opened the basement door and stepped out into the ground floor hall, someone jumped on him, caught him brutally by the throat with one hand, flung him back against the wall and pinned him there. And then the man struck out at him, hit him a stunning blow on the side of the head with his free hand, Stapp's senses, dulled into a whirling flux for a minute and before they had cleared, a second man had leaped down from up the stairs from one of the rooms above, and he said, Hurry up! Get something to tie him up with, and let's get out of here! Oh, good Lord, don't tie... Stapp tried to say, clawing at his own throat to free it. He wasn't fighting the man off. He was only trying to tear that throttling impediment off long enough to get out what he had to tell him. But his assailant couldn't tell the difference. He struck him savagely a second time and a third time, and Stapp went limp there against the wall without altogether losing consciousness. The second one had come back already with a rope that looked like Fran's clothesline. Stapp was dimly aware of this rope going around and around him, crisscross, in and out, legs and body and arms. Don't, he patted. and His mouth was suddenly nearly torn in two as a large handkerchief or rag was thrust in, effectively silencing all further sound. Then they whipped something around outside of that to keep it in and fastened it behind his head. And one of the men asked, Where will we put him? Well, leave him where he is. No... I did my last stretch just in account of leaving the guy in the open. Let's shove him back down where he was. Well, this brought on a new spasm, almost epileptic in its violence. He squirmed and writhed and shook his head back and forth. They had picked him up between them now, head and feet, kicked the basement door open, and were carrying him down the steps to the bottom. They still couldn't be made to understand that he wasn't resisting, that he wouldn't call the police that he wouldn't lift a finger to have them apprehended if they'd only let him out of here with them. They deposited him on the floor by the pipe in the corner and lashed him in a sitting position there with an added length of rope that had been coiled in the basement. As the men left, one of them turned back and said, take it easy, bud. Relax. I used to be a sailor. You never get out of them knots. Stapp swiveled his skull desperately, threw his eyes at the clock one last time, and then... With the horrible slowness of a nightmare, the man turned and went out through the doorway. The basement door ebbed back into its socket with a minor click that to him was like the crack of doom. breathing that came and went like surf upon a shoreline was the counterpoint of the clock. With the men went his only link with the outside world. They were the only two people in the whole city who knew where he was at this moment. No one else, not a living soul, knew where to find him. Now what would happen to him if he wasn't found and gotten out of here by three o'clock? It was twenty-five to two now, and the clock was ticking so rhythmically, so remorselessly, so fast. Then... At four to two, a door opened above without warning. Oh, blessed sound. Oh, lovely sound. The front door this time and high-heeled shoes clacked over his head like castanets. Fran, he shouted. Fran, he yelled. Fran, he screamed. But all that got past the gag was a low whimper that didn't even reach across the basement. His face was wet and dark with the effort it cost him, and a cord stood out at each side of his palpitating neck like a splint. The tap, tap, tap went into the kitchen, stopped a minute. She was putting down her parcels. And came back again. If only there was something he could kick at with his interlocked feet, make a clatter with. He tried hoisting his lashed legs clear of the floor and pounding them down again with all his might. Maybe the sound of the impact would carry up to her. All he got was a soft cushion sound with twice the pain of striking a stone surface with your bare palm. An electrical discharge of pain shot up the back of his legs, coursed up his spine, and exploded at the back of his head like a brilliant rocket. Meanwhile, her steps had halted about where the hall closet was, and then she went on toward the stairs that led to the upper floor, faded out upon them, going up. She was out of earshot now, temporarily. But she was in the house with him at least. That awful aloneness was gone. He felt such gratitude for her nearness. He felt such love and need for her. He wondered how he could ever have thought of doing away with her only one short hour ago. He saw now that he must have been insane to contemplate such a thing. five after. She'd been back nine minutes now, and then it was ten. At first, slowly, and then faster and faster, terror, which had momentarily been quelled by her return, began to fasten upon him again. Why did she stay up there on the second floor like that? Why didn't she come down here to the basement and look for something? Well, she might intend to stay up there all afternoon. Eleven past two... Forty-nine minutes left. No, not just minutes left. It wasn't fair. Fran, he shrieked. Fran, come down here. Can't you hear me? The gag absorbed his shrieks like a sponge. The phone trilled out suddenly in the lower hallway, midway between him and her. He'd never heard such a beautiful sound before. A tear stood out in each eye. Well, that must be the man now. That would bring her down. And then he heard her quick step descending the stairs to answer it. He could hear every word she said down there where he was... from all these cheap matchwood houses. Hello? Oh, yes, Dave, I, I just got in now. And then? Oh, Dave, I'm all upset. I had $17 upstairs in my bureau drawer and it's gone... and the wristwatch that Paul gave me is gone, too. It looks to me as if someone broke in here while I was out and robbed us. Stapp almost writhed with delight... She knew they'd been robbed. She'd get the police now. Surely they'd search the whole place. Surely they'd look down here and find him. And then she said, No, I haven't reported it yet. I suppose I should, but I don't like the idea. On your account, you know. No, I'm going to call up Paul at the shop. There's just a chance that he took the money and the watch with him when when he left this morning. You come out then, Dave. There was a pause while she broke the connection. Then he heard her dial his shop number and wait while they were ringing. Of course, no one answered. In terrible silence, he screamed, I'm right here under your feet. Don't waste time. For heaven's sakes, come down here. Finally, she hung up and he heard her going up the stairs again and he whimpered disappointedly. One half hour and nine scant minutes more left. And they ticked away with the prodigality of tropical raindrops on a corrugated tin roof. He kept straining and pulling away from the pipe that held him fast. And then falling back exhausted to rest a while. To struggle and to strain some more. How could ropes hold that unyieldingly? Each time he felt back weaker. Less able to contend with them than the time before. For he wasn't little strands of hemp... He was layers of thin skin that broke one by one and gave forth burning pain and finally blood. The doorbell rang out sharply. The man had come. Stapp's chest started rising and falling with renewed hope. Four ears instead of two to hear whatever slight sound he might manage to make. And he must, he must find a way of making one. Oh, thank God for this admirer, or whatever he was. Thank God for their rendezvous. She came quickly down the stairs a second time, and her footfalls hurried down the hall. The front door opened. Hello, Dave, he heard her say, and a man's voice asked. Did it turn up yet? No, and I've looked high and low. I tried to get Paul after I spoke to you, but he was out to lunch. Come in the kitchen. I'll make you a cup of coffee. Her quick, brittle step went first, and his heavier, slower one followed. There was the sound of a couple of chairs being drawn out, and the man's footfalls died out entirely. Hers continued busily back and forth for a while, on a short orbit between stove and table. What were they going to do? Sit there for the next half hour? Couldn't he make them hear him in some way? He tried clearing his throat, coughing. It hurt furiously, and the gag muffled even the cough to a blurred, purring sort of sound. Twenty-six to three, only minutes left now. Minutes, not even a full half hour anymore. And then he heard her say, Don't you think we ought to tell Paul uh, about us? No. Well, what kind of a guy is he? Well, Paul's not narrow-minded. He's very fair and broad. And, well, you have nothing to be afraid of on Paul's account, Dave. Didn't you... Well, didn't you ever tell him about me at all? You mean the beginning? Oh, I told him he'd been in one or two scrapes, but like a little fool, I let him think I'd lost track of you and didn't know where you were anymore. Why, why, that was her brother she'd said that about. The man sitting up there with her confirmed it right as the thought burst in his mind. Uh, I know it's tough on you, sis. You're happily married and all that. Yeah, I, I got no right to... Come around and gum things up for you. No one's proud of a jailbird and escaped convict for a brother. Yeah, I suppose I'll have to go back and finish it out, but... Seven years, old friend. Seven years out of a man's life. David, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. But before you decide anything, let's get downtown and talk it over with Paul and hear what he says. One chair jarred back, and then the other. He could hear dishes clatter as though they'd all been lumped together in one stack. But were they going to leave again? Were they going to leave him behind here, alone, with only minutes to spare? Their footsteps went down the hall. Stay with me, Stapp wailed. Stay! Panic-stricken, Stapp did the only thing he could think of. Struck the back of his head violently against the thick pipe he was attached to. A, a sheet of blue flame darted before his eyes. The pain was so excruciating. He knew he couldn't repeat the attempt. But they must have heard something. Some dull thud or reverberation must have carried up along the pipe. He heard her stop short for a minute and say, What was that? The man said he hadn't heard anything. And she took his word for it. And there was the sound of the front door opening. She passed through it. The man passed through it. It closed. And they were gone. He was left alone with his self fashioned doom a second time. And the first seemed a paradise in retrospect compared to this. For then he had a full hour to spare. He'd been rich in time. And now he only had 15 minutes, one miserly quarter hour. But it wasn't any use struggling anymore. He couldn't anyway, even if he wanted to. Flames seemed to be licking lazily around his wrists and ankles. He'd found a sort of palliative now, the only way there was left. He'd keep his eyes down and pretend the hands were moving slower than they were. It was better than watching them constantly. It blunted a little of the terror at least. The ticking, he couldn't hide from. Of course, every once in a while, when he couldn't resist looking up and verifying his own calculations, there'd be a renewed burst of anguish. But in between times, it made it more bearable to say, it's only gained a half minute since the last time I looked. Then, suddenly, the outside world intruded again. The doorbell rang out. He took no hope from the summons at first. Maybe it was some peddler. Came again. Whoever was ringing was truculently impatient at being kept waiting. A third ring was given the bell this time a veritable blast that kept on for nearly half a minute. And then as the peal finally stopped, a voice called out forcefully, Anybody home in there? Gas company? And suddenly, Stapp was quivering all over. This was the one call, the one incident in all the day's domestic routine from earliest morning until latest night that could possibly have brought anyone down into the basement. The meter was up there in the wall, staring him in the face and her brother had had to take her out of the house at just this particular time. There was no one to let the man in. The gas inspector gave the bell one more try, as if venting his disappointment of being balked, rather than in any expectation of being admitted at this late time in the proceedings. He gave it innumerable short jabs, like a telegraph key, and then he called out disgustedly, evidently for the benefit of some unseen assistant waiting in a truck out at the curb. They're never in when you want them to be. There was a single quick tread in the cement, away from the house. Stap died a little... His arms and legs got cold up to the elbows and knees. His heart seemed to beat slower, and he had trouble getting a full breath. Saliva escaped and ran down his chin, and his head drooped forward and lay in his chest for a while, inert. The clock ticked on. He noticed that his mind was starting to wander. Suddenly, the outer world returned again. This time, it was the phone. It must be Fran and her brother trying to find out if he'd come back here in their absence. They'd found the shop closed, must have waited outside it for a while, and when he still didn't come, they didn't know what to make of it. And when no one answered, That would tell him, surely, that something was wrong. Wouldn't they come back now to find out what had happened to him? But how could they dream he was in the basement the whole time? Why should they think he was here in the house if he didn't answer the phone? Fran would become real worried. Maybe they'd go to the police. But that would be hours from now. What good would that do? They'd look everywhere but here for him. When a man is reported missing, the last place they'd look for him would be in his own home. It stopped ringing finally and silence came rolling back in its wake. Nine minutes to three. Oh, what a lovely number was nine. Let it be nine forever, not eight or seven. Nine for all eternity. Make time stand still. But no, it was already eight. Oh, what a precious number was eight. So rounded, so symmetrical. Let it be eight forever. A woman's voice called out in sharp reprimand somewhere outside in the open. Bobby, be careful what you're doing. You'll break that window. She was some distance away, but the ringing dictatorial tones carried clearly. And suddenly Stapp saw the blurred shape of a ball strike the basement transom. A child came close up against the transom to get its ball back. If it would only turn its head over this way, it could look right in. It could see him. The glass wasn't too smeary for that. Stapp started to weave his head violently from side to side, hoping the flurry of motion would attract it and catch its eye. Suddenly, it had turned its head... was looking directly in through the transom and then it saw him and it yelled, Mommy, look! An adult hand suddenly darted downward from the upper right-hand corner of the transom, caught the child's wrist, bore its arm upward out of sight, but it pointed and said, Mommy, funny man tied up, look! The adult voice, reasonable, logical, dispassionate, answered, Why, that wouldn't look nice. Mommy can't peer into other people's houses like you can the child's head disappeared above the transom. Its body was pivoted around away from him. He could see the hollows at the back of its knees for an instant longer, and then its outline on the glass blurred in withdrawal. It was gone. Only the little clear spot it had scoured remained to mock him in his crucifixion. <laughs> He rolled his head away from the window, back toward the clock finally. To his horror, it stood at three to three. He couldn't feel anymore. Terror or hope or anything else, a sort of numbness set in with a core of gleaming awareness remaining that was in his mind. He was making animal noises deep in his throat as the minute hand slowly blended with the notch of twelve. Guttural sounds like a dog worrying about a bone... Though the gag prevented the sounds from emerging in full volume, he puckered the flesh around his eyes apprehensively, creasing them into slits as though the closing of his eyes could ward off, lessen the terrific force of what was to come. The hand on the dial gradually became upright. It was three o'clock, but he didn't know it. He was shaking all over from head to foot, not with fear, but with laughter. And then everything went black. What's the matter with him, officer? What's the matter with him? It was Fran, and she was standing over him crying. The policeman was untying the hard, knotted ropes and taking the gag out of his mouth. The officer felt his pulse, and then he said, Well, he must have passed out, ma'am. But I think he'll be all right. we better get him to a hospital, though. The clock said five past seven. The cop got up, went over to the box, and kicked it idly with his foot. It shifted lightly along the wall a little and took the clock with it. And he asked, What's in this box? And Stapp's wife looked at it and answered, Nothing. Well, it used to have some kind of fertilizer in it, but only this morning I took it out and emptied it, and the flowers I've been trying to raise in the back of the house, it's just an empty box.